Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello, Egg Chasers. This is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast. The podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. Thank you very much for listening. I'm Tim. JB's there. Hello, Timothy. And there's Phil. Hello, Tim. You, now, I'm the odd one out here because um, there, there, there is a video which you, you can go and see on our YouTube channel. It's uh, youtube.com slash eggchasers. We're also facebook.com slash eggchasers. We're at Rugby Podcast on Twitter. But you can go and... What, what, how come I haven't got these socks? What's going on? Yeah, well, I don't know is the answer, mate. You do have these socks. Well, you don't have these socks because you're not in shorts. Um, okay. G- uh, Phil's been to the gym. You do have a pair. Uh, oh, okay. And I just don't know. I don't know why I've got them. To be fair, a, a box came to my house and it said egg chasers. It wasn't delivered to me, so you know. It- and in it were three pairs of socks. Oh, okay. That explains. Sorry, I just I've just turned up in the rugby dungeon and you've both got matching socks on. I thought three pairs of stance socks. Is it a stance? Is what it? are? They? What's the point? What, what are they? I don't know. They're, they're lovely. I mean, okay. They're, I mean, very, they're very comfortable. Very comfortable. Hey, um, listen, I'm not getting... We, we don't give away shout-outs <laughs> yeah. just for sending us a box of socks, actually. Yeah, it's got to be better than <laughs> no, socks for a shout. <laughs> sending us stuff's fine. Yeah, yeah, but... send us anything you want. Like, but, you know, the curiousness about the whole thing was, like, there's no name on it. I can't remember asking for socks. I can't remember giving out my address for socks. So I, I don't know how we've ended up with these for socks. Novichok? Oh, crikey. Well, my feet are a bit itchy now you mentioned that, Tim. Yeah. Right, so on this podcast today, we're going to be talking about, um, well, there's a, l- a whole load of things been going on in the rugby world, aside from the domestic rugby in the Pro 14, in the Premiership Top 14 and the like, and the Rugby Championship. We've got an open letter from Bath um, and some coaching juggling. We've got ju- an international retiree. We've got World Rugby's leaked plan. We've, um, we've got all sorts of other stories besides. But I want to start by picking up from last week, JB. Yes, please do. There's a file I've put on your computer. Oh, So you the, have? the way I want to tee this up is, on last week's podcast, we were talking about England's new defence coach, John Mitchell. Yes. And we were, we were picking up on the fact that you think defence coach is the easiest job in rugby because all you have to do is shout line speed and do it in a, in a motivating fashion. Correct? Correct. That's exactly... And also have access to wild animals. Okay. And have either an Antipodean or a rugby league heartland accent. Well, it turns out Eddie Jones must listen to the podcast because because your suggestion... I think John Mitchell might now be out of a job and I think at the England training camp early this week, Eddie Jones might have taken your advice and hired a new defence coach. No, I'm not having it, mate. G'day, then. I'm Rusty. Rusty Crow, winner of an Oscar, owner of a rugby league club, and now 
I am here set upon my trusty <laughs> steed to make us the greatest defensive unit on earth. <laughs> <laughs> but first things first, tops off, gentlemen. Yeah. Come on, tops off. There we go. Looking good there, Courtney. Men, we will defend our gain line the way I defended the gates of Rome. The way my legion fought as one on the battlefields of Gaul. Wave after wave, they may attack. Be they kilts, barbarians, or New Zealand savages. <sighs> but with discipline and with our line speed, so much line speed, they will fall. And then, when the battle is won, we will be in Elysium, which is uh, the name of a nightclub. <laughs> and we will drink, men. And we will toast a day that people will speak of for eternity. Right. Oh. Eddie, defense is sorted, mate. Now get this bunch of pommies scoring some f***ing tries. There you go. He's in. Wonderful, He's wonderful. So, I'll tell you so that. Speed. Yeah, I mean, I was literally about to high shot Phil into, uh, into that suite. <laughs> That's how I felt. Excellent. It was, right. quite, it was quite something. It was quite something. Well, come on then, Phil. As you've just been high shotted um, into the wall by JB, I'll, I'll, I'll make up for it by letting you select where we start this podcast. Where do you want to go? Ooh, probably the best game of the week. Uh, oh, oh, any of the any no any of the oh, sort of talking points? I mean, oh, sorry, we oh, talking no, 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 points. Well, well, um, let's let's stick with England for a second then. Okay, and go on to the retiree. Yes, the international retiree at the tender age of twenty-eight. Yep, with fifty-nine caps to his name, and incredibly tender age for a prop, particularly. Mm. Um, and with eleven months to go until a World, a World Cup. Cup. Yeah, what was your first reaction to the news? There's more to this than meets the eye. Yes. I thought this can't just be a standard. There's something going on here behind the scenes. What's, what, what's, what's, the, what's the actual story going on that we're not hearing is what I thought because it just didn't make sense. <laughs> These things don't. You know, they, they don't. I thought the same thing. But it actually seems exactly as it sounds. It sounds like he's just bored of rugby and the travel and wants to spend more time with his family. That's it, I think. From what I've seen and what I've read, and from what I've seen on Marla's own uh, kind of Instagram and social media accounts, I think that's probably it. Yeah. Although I can't help but feeling if the England squad, if the kind of feeling around the squad, uh, the culture, the mentality, and the coaching side of things were all that little bit better, the potential of a World Cup... uh, would have been enough to keep him mm. in there. Well, yeah, I mean, there is a bit of speculation there because we don't know whether he would have retired if it was Stuart Lancaster asking him to draw pictures of his family on jerseys or if it's Eddie Jones making him do intensive fitness on every international break. We or don't get, know that, do we? Eddie Jones making him be judo flipped around the place by Maru Itoji. I can't imagine that's not good fun. <laughs> uh, having stood next to Mario Itoji again you forget every time you you step away and don't see him and then stand next to him I, I, I can't tell you the shape that guy do you know what though? Oh, yeah. I know you say that but by far the most impressive man or men I actually Itoji wasn't in the squad then but prior to the World Cup me and Brim Williams friend, friend of the pod went to Twickenham to meet you know, the players 
and by far, Marla was the most intimidatingly oh, shaped guy. Yeah. His, his upper body, his shoulders and traps are enormous. Yeah. Uh, uh, Itoji, when you see him... And Cruz is the one. When you see... Yeah, Cruz is enormous. When you see Itoji up front, he's just such a... I don't know, such athletic individual. Yeah. And he, he's, he probably doesn't come across uh, on TV all the time. He's a very handsome man. He is. Really, really good looking chap. Yeah, but he's not, he's not a, a menacing... Shape is he's not a menacing. Oh, he pose. is. Do, do, do you think? Oh my god, yeah. The, the, the width, his his shoulder to to waist ratio is frightening. To be fair, I only saw him in his going out clothes yeah. later on that night. O- oversized t-shirt. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Actually, so I, I don't know. But anyway, Joe Marler. <laughs> I tell you, looks great in a t-shirt. FYI, uh, is Alex Corbusiero. Corbs, yeah. Corbs looks bloody fantastic. Looks great in in doing deadlifts on yeah. Instagram. <laughs> in, 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 in tight, tight black uh, t-shirt. looks fantastic. Hell yeah. <laughs> so the narrative that seems to have come out of this more than any other is people, and this could be just circumstantial, but people seem to be suggesting that, or that there's the undercurrent, the subtext, that Eddie Jones has basically forced Joe Marler into this by being too, um, too attritional and too hardcore in his training methods. Now, when you say that, are you saying that's the subtext... Because everyone's saying explicitly it's not to the point that you are left with no other conclusion that it is. <laughs> no, <I think laughs> like they're just... protesting too much about mm. how it's nothing to do with that. Well, no, it's, it's more, I think this is more just the, the rugby fraternity that aren't the people that are on telly and writing columns. No, even people that are writing columns have suggested that it's too hard for England. What I would suggest is reading Ben Kay's article in The Times, because I think yeah. that was quite balanced. He suggested that, yeah, quite possibly, Joe Marler has been... <laughs> You know, feels like he's been overworked and to the point he's not loving it, and the England camp is intense. But Ben Kay also talks about his own experiences before the 2003 and 2007 World Cups when he described it as comfortably the most gruelling, hardest yeah. things he's ever had to do going into an England camp. And maybe that, to a degree, well, so no, definitely to a degree, that is necessary to win a World Cup. So I, I don't think suddenly they should all be. Uh, just writing motivational things on shirts and doing touch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it, it's for me, it's got to be the to the point, the training and maybe the travel, but the training specifically has got to be to the point where it is putting people right on the edge of breaking point. Uh, that makes no sense to me, by the way. That makes zero sense to me. The, the Not, word from the England camp was that it's brutal, brutal fitness again. Yeah. Mid-season. Well, yeah, they are mid-season. They're so, just post Post preseason, aren't they? Yeah, mid season maybe not as much because you should have some miles under your belt. You should have a full preseason. Well, it should under be your good belt. to go. They're just good yeah, to go. Yeah, yeah. So that side of things, but some of the training sessions need to be. They have to be. They have to be brutal. It should be the hardest thing they ever do. Well, not ever do. It the should be. That, it, should be that, it should be yeah. hard, harder than anything they've done. Well, I mean, you're the world's best, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. You know, you want to be. Uh, SAS training's pretty hard, you know, and there's <laughs> and there's arguably more than them than there are English international rugby players currently serving. So you know, it is really, really difficult. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, I understand it. I don't sympathise with it, which is what everyone's saying. I mean, there's a lot of stuff like that is the most important thing in the world. Yeah, get over yourself, right? Um, as as for, uh, I, I personally, right. I think being busy and being wanted and, and, and required in your profession is, you know, the the greatest thing. And although I understand what he's done, I think in time he might come back to regret it because it's a short career and he's right at the pinnacle. I mean, he's a good prop. Yeah, you know, If he wins the World Cup, he could be a great prop. 
You know, he could be one of the you know one of the English greats or part of a great team if they win it. So you you forego that, but people forego all sorts of things because if there's family involved, it's complex. Yeah, and and him not being there, uh, it does harm England a little bit. Yeah, because he is he is that good. I mean, in the the third test uh, in South Africa, yeah, he was very good. He was absolutely sensational. Yeah, I think actually they miss more than that. I think they miss. A, a guy around the camp too, because he's unusual. That I mean, I've, I've, I've interviewed him, and he's almost like, uh, you know, abrasive, but in a in a good way. Do you know, like a lot of people are quite yeah. guarded, uh, and I think that they'll miss that because characters are, are, are really important. Yeah. So you know, I think the playing side, hundred percent. I think from a wider, he's almost and he's almost like a senior player without really been one. He's not a nominated senior player, but I get. I bet he's a big voice in camp. Fifty nine caps. Fifty nine caps. Yeah. God, it's fifty nine caps. Yeah. At twenty eight yeah. for uh, twenty eight for a prop as well, because he, he would easily he would make this World Cup and probably the next one mm. if he wanted yeah, to. You're right there. Uh, it puts a lot of pressure on Mako. It certainly does, mm. and bearing in mind that Mako will be playing a lot in the Premiership. Yep. He will be playing Champions Cup. He'll be playing Premiership knockout. He'll be playing Champions Cup knockout. He'll be playing Six Nations. There's a lot riding on on Mako. There really is. For that reason, I think he we might not have seen the last of Joe Marler in an England shirt even before, yeah. even in the next sevens. Year. Give, it, <laughs> give him, give him a few months rest, and I, I think I, again, I'm, I'm much with you. I think fine if he wants to make that decision. Fine, great. Yeah. Thank you for your, thank you for your service. I would go back and say uh, just to be consistent for anyone that's listened to the podcast for any length of time. I do not like, and this is just me not liking it as a fan. I do not like the principle of players retiring themselves from international rugby. I almost think even if I had a hip replacement and one arm, and if my country called and said they needed me, it's almost like it's my duty. I, I would be there, mm. however hard and tough it is. It's that's how I feel. England, and, and that's a romantic view of international no, rugby. But that's right. how I view about. That's you're, how I view it. You're right. Okay, so this is how I would handle it. I would never retire from international rugby, but I would say I'm not going training. And if you want to pick me, you can. But I'm not going to go to your training. I'm not going to go on tour. My phone might be on during the World Cup. It might not be. Hey, give it a call. If you're really desperate, give me a call. That's yes. how I do it. Uh, well, how about we jump as well, um, sort of jumping in towards the games, just dipping our toe into the games, but talking about one individual in particular who, I mean, Sippers is old news now. Uh. Whatever, Sippers, we don't care about you anymore. Yep. No one no one's clamoring for you to get in the England squad anymore. Who cares? Um Alex Good now. Well, hear Let's me. Let's get on the Alex Good train. Hear me now, believe me later. Because I believe I've been on record on saying he is the best all round rugby player in England. And I still believe that solidly. You've said that off, for years, JB. He's got good feet, he's got good vision, he can kick, he can beat defenders. There is nothing about Alex Good not to like. Maybe, if there's one chink in his armour, maybe his top-end pace isn't quite there. Other than that, I think he's an outstanding rugby player. I would add to that, so top-end pace and defence, uh, t- specifically tackling. His positioning is very good. Yeah. Tackle completion. But that could be any Saracen, because that's what yeah. they do. I mean, there is an element of you know, that. You don't play Owen Farrell and say his, his lack of tackling is not a problem, but then tell me Alex Goods is. So... He did have... In different positions where they do different things, <laughs> the, admittedly. Yeah, yeah. They, well, so he did have... There's, there's, a, there's two things for me on this. He did have a sensational game. He was un, absolutely unplayable. 
But to use that game as a yardstick for playing international rugby is ridiculous. Go because on. that is, a, as top-level rugby games go, that is about as far as you can p- possibly get from an international rugby game. Yeah, okay. Right, yeah, fine. Uh, well, so, it's not as far as you could get. I mean, like, you know... Tok H against Little Bro. No, yeah, I, I mean, that's so pretty I, far away. I said top-level rugby games yeah. go. All right, all right. Fair enough. As top level rugby games, so, like Southern Kings and the Dragons were both in top level rugby games. I get your point. I'm, I'm being facetious. <laughs> Go on. Uh, well, even the even them. <laughs> um, so that that's one thing. Now the other thing. So th- this hysteria, uh, the reaction to this game, calling him up for England, it peaked for me with a Sonia McLaughlin tweet, okay. who said, so. He's got ideal skills to play at 12 for England, which I don't disagree with. Okay. Necessarily. Not down with this so far, but He's never played there, but she she went on to back... The the bit of evidence she went on to back that up with was by saying he's the same size as Ben Teal. Righto. I'm sure he's not. Which struck me as a little bit odd. Uh, Isn't he like... Five foot ten. Five, ten, five, eleven, uh, and thirteen and a half stone. Yeah, I've which met put, him. He's which, he's not big. Which puts him four inches shorter and three and a half stone lighter. Twenty just over twenty kgs lighter than Ben Teo. There must be a mix there must be a mix up. Which there. which so by this logic, uh Ben Young's should should, <laughs> should replace should replace uh, Joe Marler at loose prop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's about four inches shorter and twenty kg lighter. Perfect. And Johnny May is going to be the backup second row to Mario Todji because because he's well, he's three inches shorter <laughs> and about twenty kg lighter. Nice, <laughs> nice. Right, so, so you're you're not getting now. You're I'm with you, Phil. I'm not denying, and I wouldn't I wouldn't dare deny he is an incredibly talented player who should be considered for selection every time an England squad is being pulled together. Hysteria is the right word. The way... And uh, social media, this is what it does, isn't it? Suddenly, Eddie's blind. How can he not see on the strength of a game? No, it's... No, 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 not on the strength of a game. Not not for you. you, Your judgment is over years. Everyone is just No one was saying this this two weeks ago when Eddie's uh, Eddie's squad was announced. Everyone has just been going on this one game. My thing about this, and I've seen loads of people, um, you know, pundits, fans, all everyone, um, s- saying he should be in the squad. And, and this happens a lot. People go, oh, I want so-and-so in the squad. So-and-so, how can Eddie not pick so-and-so, not pick so-and-so? If, with certain people I see on Twitter and stuff, if every single person that they clamoured for it was, in, was actually selected by Eddie Jones, there'd be <laughs> 60 people in every squad. At, at least. So well, can we make a rule that from now on, if you say you want someone in... You have to also say who you drop. Ooh. So yeah. for Excellent. It, so well, I've so I've done this. For example, good. Cipriani, would I pick him? Yes, I'd drop Nathan Earl. I'd have dropped um Dylan Hartley. Right. Don Armand, yes, I'd drop Michael Rhodes. Sam Simmons, yes, I'd drop Zach Mercer. Ah, I like it. That's um, good. That's good stuff. Luke Cowan Dickey, yes, I'd drop Mark Wilson. Yep. Yeah. Um Alex Good, possibly. Hang I'd, have, on. I'd have him or Jason Woodward and I'd drop Joe Fucking a singer. Sorry, if you Done. There you go. But you can't have them all. That's my point. You can't have them all. And some people seem to want to have a go at Eddie, but not say who they don't want. If you dropped Mark Wilson for anyone, you would be lynched by the working man of Newcastle and <laughs> and by every right-minded rugby fan who wants to see Mark, Mark Wilson pull on the, the England jersey he's, he's, again. He's having a great season. But 
Um, that, that's, that's, my, my point stands. People can dis- agree or disagree with my points, but... There's the always principle, you, you've, the, principle the principle is you've is got correct. to drop someone. Yeah, look, I, I I agree with you fundamentally, and there is a lot of group behaviour, communal communal behaviour about Joe Marler. Um, I would I would say you're probably right. You do have to drop someone, but I'm going to get on my own little bandwagon here because actually I think there's a guy who we need to start a bandwagon for because he's absolutely outstanding, and I'm going to give you some credit, Tim, because you pointed him out to me. To start with, because I assume you must have played with your brother Nick at some point. Johnny Williams should be considered for England. Yeah. So it's a problem position. Yep. He's quick. He's athletic. He can offload. He's well. He's very strong, and his offloading game. Now, he's still got to develop because he's yeah, only what wait. nineteen or twenty. But well, he's I think he's 21, 20, 21 okay. maybe twenty two now. But but point being, he's had he had he's been decent for London Irish. He's shown a lot of promise. But he's had he's had two starts for Newcastle. Easy, I, I think, easy. I think it looks better. Throw him in. Come Throw on. Him in. No, but this is what Eddie, this is what Eddie Jones has done. Lewis Boyce, who what? Oh, he's in the England squad. Gary Graham, what? Who what? Oh, he's in the England squad. Yeah, it, but Gary Graham's legitimate. Like no, I mean, Gary, there are seven Gary Grahams every time you play one Gary Graham. <laughs> <laughs> like, what Eddie does well. He identifies talent early. Yeah. I've got. To, I've said you've, said, it, so you've said it. You've said it a bunch of times. Like, he, he was right. He was just right. Um, you know, it hurts, but he was. Um, I tell you something interesting though about these England teams. Like, you do get to the point where they basically make the same mistakes, no matter which way. You get. Do you know the old um, circle. You know, here's the left wing, here's the right wing, and you you, know, you loop it all around the little horseshoe thing, and oh look, it all ends up as, a, as an authoritarian hellhole. Well. It's kind of the same with the... Same. I thought you meant left and right wing on a rugby pitch then, but yeah. I'm with you. No, <laughs> no, no, like, Politically left like, and right wing. Yes. yes, they're both the same. Totalitarian on one end, authoritarian on the other. Got yeah, me. and it sort of ends up in the same way, no matter who, who is coaching. So remember the, the, you know, the death throes of, of the Lancaster regime, where everyone was happy, kumbaya, playing, you know, all that sort of stuff, <laughs> yeah. right? And yeah, they had a core of players that they wouldn't drop. There's a load of guys who were desperately on form but couldn't get in the team. And he was giving out caps to unproven individuals because they just needed them in, needed them in the squad. They needed some hope, i.e. Sam Burgess. Yeah. Right? Eddie's basically gone and done the same thing. Yeah, we've done we've done it. You're absolutely... <laughs> like, I hear you totally. We've like, done this. I, but they're two completely different yeah. regimes. No, I, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I tell you what, this, ch- this talk about who should be in and who should be out is only going to get more intense until he actually listens. Because... These people might be on the bandwagon, but they are fundamentally correct in identifying Cipriani, in identifying Good, in identifying all these people because they are bloody good players and they should be in the England squad. But to get them in, you've got to you've got to make some tough decisions. I don't think they're that tough, personally. Well, it, it depends because yeah, I would have Good in over Nathan Earl. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that, that's not that tough. I'd have Johnny Williams in. So there we go. Sticking with. Uh, international rugby, but moving away from England. Yeah, go on. So there is a world rugby announcement this week. Oh yeah, about uh, the potential shape of the new calendar. Right, and this is the new calendar that was first announced last year. The mm-hmm. San, San Francisco World Rugby San Francisco announcement. What do they call it? It's like the San Francisco Conference Summit, I think. Or something yes, like that. It, so, it, I've, I've got the plans here. <laughs> <laughs> well, the way they talk about it, I can't remember what was it. The summit, of course, it, it sounded almost as important as like the summit in Potsdam. You know, that's <laughs> that's how they made it out. I don't understand it because it says two things: it says it's going to replace the summer tours. Understood that, 
It was a, well, that, no, well, that is happening. So what is happening in the summer is the international matches are going to be moved from June to July because, wait for it, having them in June disrupted the Super, Super Rugby. Rugby domestic tournament and it meant they had to have a break in the middle, which wasn't good. So instead, what that means is in the Northern Hemisphere, they'll finish the season in May, they'll have a month off in June and then it'll be international rugby in July before a month of pre-season in August. So here's the theme with, with this whole, all these plans. Brilliant for Southern Hemisphere. <laughs> Not good for Northern Hemisphere. Yeah, but do you know that's who, what I would. That, that's my summary but of the whole you, thing. Do you know who needs the help? It's not us. It's not Ireland and Wales with their full stadium and England with ever increasing revenues and debt. Um, it's Georgia and Romania, Georgia and Fiji, Romania, and Tonga. But Samoa. I tell you what, you know they are getting the help. Australia. The Australian game is not is not in good health. The the South African game is not in good health. I mean, I don't mind actually disrupting our calendar a little bit because I think they're, they're really struggling. Okay. You've got internationals. So, so the July watching. thing is happening. The other thing is what's happening in the autumn, November international window. Because as we currently have it, we have, we have matches against Southern Hemisphere v Northern Hemisphere. What they have done since the last World Cup is mean that there's more games between the Tier 2 sides and Tier 1 sides. You've seen that with Georgia playing yep. Italy and Scotland twice. So that, Japan playing England. Japan playing England. So th- this is the intention to try and spread that around a little bit more. But now they want to completely re, um, re- change it. And Augustin Pichot is leading a, a kind of Nations League type setup. Basically a mini World Cup involving the top 12 ranked teams in the world okay. every single November. So, no, Well, no, because it said spring yes. and autumn. Spring so, and summer, it said. So my understanding of it, it would be across five game weeks. Yeah. So it'd be, it'd be the same as the uh, Football League of Nations. So you yeah. have four four groups of three teams yeah. which play each other in a round-robin style, yeah. which then takes... That, that takes three weekends, uh, although each team has two games. Semi-final, final. And then you have a semi-final, final. Wait, sorry. Have so I been... It's five game weeks no, no, to do sorry. that. Three in November, two in the summer. Get that bit. But the press release said the spring and the summer tours. So in the spring, we play Six Nations. So what? Nothing's changing there. Nothing's changing there. Do they call spring tours that in Southern Hemisphere? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So the autumn internationals would be spring tours. So spring slash autumn. Fine, got it. Right, that's why I'm confused. So I thought they were going to try and incorporate Six Nations into this, and I'm against that. Yeah, I think they are. There is talk of having to move the Six Nations a week or two in either direction or a couple yeah. of weeks in either direction to allow for everything to take place. Okay, but. fine. Uh, so, with- so it's a mini World Cup. The, the, the top 12 ranked teams would play a minimum of two games, maximum of four... Uh, no, minimum of three games. No, yeah, two, two minimum games. Minimum of two games, maximum of four, four games. games. So why exactly? Uh, uh, to, so, to, so, get rev- to, get, to get revenue, to get well, money and make, to make it a marketable product. But this, this is where I think it's confused because... so. And there was some statement, I can't remember the exact percentage, but more than 70% of international games of any given year are effectively friendlies. Yeah. So there's a concern... That's such an assumption that friendly means the same as it means with other sports. And yeah, and this is where I have a massive problem because it seems like Pichot, who's, who's championing this, has got this concern that a friendly is somehow devalued. Well, let's look at Twickenham in three weeks' time against New Zealand, rugby, shall we? Yeah. In rugby, beginning at fr- the end, oh. the friendlies—they are anything but. They're friendly in, in name only, and if England get beaten, as they may well do, in three home games, and then, then we'll that, to, that um, is a massive, massive problem, as particularly because it will be in front of a full eighty thousand seat stadium. Uh-huh. 
And at that point, we're going to have to go into our predictions, <laughs> pull out a bit of paper, and I have the name of the next England So, manager. right, so there are, there are a couple of problems, and we don't need to labour this too much, but uh, world rugby, uh, rugby as a whole, isn't making enough money to sustain itself, particularly in Southern Hemisphere nations. The rugby championship, you see half-empty stadiums yep. when it's outside yep. of New Zealand. Um, even inside New Zealand. Even inside New do. Zealand sometimes, uh, if it's not the blood is low match. Um, and then... In the Northern Hemisphere, there are some nations that are making a lot of money and there are others that aren't developing. I thought from the last World Cup, the biggest step forward was Georgia, Romania, Japan, these Tier 2 nations, and that's where the focus should be. My issue with Augustin Pichot's plan is he's taking the top 12 ranked teams, which is going to exclude the majority of these nations from this new format. Ah, yeah, but you know there's a second-tier com- yeah. competition. Yeah, I know there's a second-tier competition, but, the, but that's, I, they're I don't... They're not playing But then, they're not, but the then between teams. World Cups, Georgia aren't going to play England. Yeah, yeah, but it's promotion relegation. Yeah, I yeah, know. only for one team. Only for one... Yeah. Well, well, no, it's not. Uh, well, it it's whoever's top-ranked. Yeah. But how, does the, how do the lower-ranked teams get the ranking points to go up to the top? My, my point, yeah. my point being, you're going to get the, the same eight teams every single year and you're just going to rotate a few of the lower it's not going to fulfill the objective of making more top level rugby sides by the next it's strange World Cup. to mention that because there's only one thing that will do that and i'm convinced of this it's basically an, an improved system of what we've already got so your six nations yes. and then your other six nations which you actually treat as an equal and then you play each other in the autumns and the spring. I don't think we need a and tournament. There's a, and a greater revenue share. So there's a link between Six yeah. Nations and the Rugby Europe Championship. And some of the TV money for the Six Nations does get siphoned off and invested in developing because the other nations. at some point, the tables will flip. And then the Six Nations will want money from the other comp- competition. And also, the BBC is the BBC. They could put, because they're a licence fee funding thing, they could put these matches on TV. I would, as an ardent cri- critic of the BBC... As am I... I I would question the public. Uh, what, what do you call it? The um, the public service they'd be providing by yeah. showing me Georgia versus Russia. To oh, be I'd honest, love it. Well, I'd love but, yeah. it, but I'd still question it. Well, on the red button, then. Anyway, yeah. but just just on that, on all those points that you've made, Tim, are absolutely valid. And so I'm I'm now looking at the 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 high level bullet points from the uh, San Francisco calendar agreement, as it, it was called. And I think most of them hit it without this Nations League. So optimised optimized calendar for both hemispheres, tick. Uh, 39% increase in Tier 1 versus two, t- Tier 2 fixtures, tick. Tier 1 tours to Pacific Islands, Japan, Canada, USA, Georgia, Romania, tick. Player welfare, which is not something we've discussed now, mm. but... Unsure uh, of is the answer to that. Well, well they're, no, making, they're, making, they're making efforts. Uh, yeah. As in... Player welfare to make sure the best players are not being burnt out, so you get the the best players yeah, in okay. the right fixtures. I haven't seen anything which suggests that that might actually be the case, though. Well, no, but that is so. That is one of the kind objectives. of key objectives. Oh, right, of the yeah. agreement. Okay, fine. Whether yeah. they've achieved that or not, but a lot, yeah, on a yeah, lot of these things, they're ticking. But this, so this doesn't come into effect until after. So the the calendar agreement doesn't come into effect until after the twenty nineteen World Cup. So we couldn't have seen any of it, the impacts of it yet. Yeah, fine, but. Everything set out there seems to be a benefit. I just don't see what additional benefit. I think good for Argentina. Le- league. Good for Australia. Good for. I, 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 that's the way I sum- would summarise it. Is great for Southern Hemisphere nations that aren't filling stadiums, aren't making money. I don't know, Tim. I- Ar- Argentina. Every game I've seen in the uh, rugby championship, they have a packed stadium. Yeah, yeah. small the, the, small stadiums. Hag- yeah, Hag- yeah well, if you want to talk about small stadium, Argent- um, New Zealand. Um, 
I don't know. I just don't see the need for a table or a competition. I 100% think they need to play a wider range of teams. Yeah, but the biggest issue is what could happen is November. Oh, look, we've been drawn in... England have been drawn in a pool with Scotland. Yeah, Great. actually. No, no. Yeah, I, yeah. I, play, I want to play Scotland in February, never November. Yeah, yeah. and actually, I'm going to... Yeah, I'm going to back you up here, which is uh, we don't really need to see that. And also, I wouldn't be surprised if it's to the detriment of the, low, of the lower teams. And this will not be the intention. Knowing World, world Rugby like, like I do, they are very much in the corner of the developing nations. There's no two ways Absolutely. about that. But I don't think that this is going to get the developing nations more tier one games. I just don't no, see it. it. doesn't sound like it to me. Well, or it, we'll, might, it, might we'll get, see. it might get two of them. Two of them each year. A couple but at the moment, the reason that the six na- uh, sorry the, the the November tests are again relevant to me because I got went through a period of just not caring what happened in November. You know, Wales play Australia, and then three you times. came up with a hashtag downfall twenty eighteen, and now they mean everything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, they have they have for a few years, and it's because I get to see the tier twos in, in there. I mean, I, maybe I'm in the minority there. Oh, from rugby th- fans. that Georgia in the Principality Stadium last. Last yeah. November, that was amazing. But I like, loved it. I, I want to see all these different jerseys. I want to see all, all different nations. I'm sure that England have had three, like all three November internationals against the same team. I'm sure they have at some point. If not, they frequently play Australia twice. I mean, it wasn't so long ago. Did they play Australia like five times in twelve yeah, months? In the, yeah. Well, Eddie Jones's first year. Yeah, come off it. And. They'll play South Africa four times. This yeah, year. they only play France once a year. <laughs> yeah, I mean they play their local rivals less. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, so we'll see how that one pans out. But it's, nope. there, it's there laid out on the table. They're, they're meeting in Sydney this week. Uh, yeah, which is where Pichot is going to put his full proposal. Yeah, so we'll see if there's any other yeah. detail he's adding to the bones there. Now there was another announcement from World Rugby. Oh, this Ooh. week that might have passed you by. Because of a law clarification. Oh, yes. I know, we're not oh, gonna, yeah. We're not awesome. Gonna... Oh, no, I feel so vindicated on this one. Yeah. This is, yes. So we're not, we're not going to go into much detail on this, but it is a point that we've, that we've raised a few times looking backwards. Mm-hmm. And it, so it's new law 919, which is lifting in open play, which is effectively, and I'm kind of power, paraphrasing here, but it's effectively putting duty of care on the lifter to bring his own teammate down Kick-offs. safely. Yes. So when it's a single-man lift. The Falau law, as it's known. Yeah. How, why, what happened to Falau? Do, do, do you remember, uh, it was a really against a really tight game against Ireland in the deciding test, I think, and Israel um, Peter Omani yeah. jumped, CJ Stander lifted him at a kickoff. Israel Falau, on his own, got as high as Peter Omani <laughs> being lifted by CJ Stander. Incredible athleticism. Both competed fairly for the ball. Because he was being lifted by CJ Stander, Omani sort of pivoted on Stander's hands and ended up landing on his neck and um, I think Falau went off on a yellow, crucial yellow. And at the time, Twitter absolutely roasted me when I, I, and I think you guys might have backed me up actually saying, um, this isn't, you know, there's a duty of care here. We can't just be giving yellow cards for for playing rugby. And World Rugby appear to agree. So what they're saying that the they're, duty they're, care, they're letting the boys play. So the, they're not for clarity they're not using the word duty of care. That's just an easy way yes. to explain it. Yeah. But they they're saying that the lifter, even a one man lift, the lifter has responsibilities to bring his own teammate back down safely. If he doesn't, it's a free kick to the opposition. Uh so what the what happens right <laughs> when the beast is lifting someone? Well, they tumble backwards. Well, it, he, he saves them. Yeah. And the I mean 
that so, to so, me. So that is a perfect example of him uh, not wanting to give away a free kick or have his own teammate dropped on his head. Because in both those situations, because the Beast has done it twice. Yeah. And he saved his own teammate both times. But so, I, so that would, know, be, that would just be see, play on. I can see a situation, uh, genuine now, where the Beast lifts someone, he's holding him in the air, he pivots on his shorts like like, uh, like he's done, done in the past. The guy's falling, the referee then blows his whistle in anticipation of the in, impending disaster, meaning that the Beast actually releases the guy because he's already given away the free kick. Well, then it's on the referee, and it should be a free kick against the referee exactly. for anyway, Point being, hopefully the, the consequence of this will be less yellow cards like the one for Israel Falau and more letting the boys play. Oh, well, I've, yep. got an, I've got an interesting duty of care story. Okay. So um, I sat down with a, a good friend of mine who uh, knows things about uh, law and disciplinary pr- procedures. And we were talking... Uh, Brett Kavanagh. Uh, yeah, good old Brett. Um, having a few beers, catching up. Yeah. So um, we were having a chat, and one of the cases which we've cited in the past and which which confuses us is the Benjamin Fowl case. Yes. Because no intent was shown. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. that I I said, well, is that a precedent for future cases? And it's not a precedent that would be counted as an outlier rather than. Uh, rather than a precedent, because there is no hierarchy of courts, if that makes sense. I, I bet I'm butchering this ex- uh, explanation. <laughs> but if you think about it, you know, if a decision goes up the courts to the most court and then the court makes a, a decision, that then is a precedent which, which comes down. So just because George Smith takes some biscuits and does an amazing presentation doesn't mean that uh, all similar tackles in the French League or the IRB will be dealt with the same way. Exactly. But, but it's sh- an outlier. Well, surely, though, if there is no hierarchy of courts yeah. and we've got a sport and a set of laws which are constantly evolving and constantly being clarified, i.e. Uh, the, the recent clarifications of point nineteen And interpreted uh, slightly differently nation to nation. Then mm. the most recent uh, instance, the most recent decision would set a precedent. Well, that's a very, very good question and it's one which I'll remember and ask when I'm... Good man. There good. again. Watch this space on the world rugby stuff. Um, right, I, I think this will segue us nicely into some actual rugby. Um, Bath Rugby released on Friday, along with their team announcement for Saracens. Two coaches. 13 changes to their starting 15 to go to Allianz Park to face the champions. They released an open letter saying, well, they said a few things. One, <laughs> They Todd, said a lot. Todd Blackadder's, they, 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 they said a lot. It took a long time to say what they had <laughs> yeah. to say. That's, what I would, that's <laughs> yeah. the way I'd put it. Uh, Todd Blackadder, a year extension at least. Stuart Hooper, the man to take over at some point. At some point, um, and a, an emphasis on developing their own academy players, looking at the model that Exeter and Leinster have mm-hmm. demonstrated yep. in recent years, and, and sell shocks for, and, for that matter, and also developing their own coaches. And on the coaches front, Toby Booth and Darren Edwards would be leaving at the end of the season. Uh, okay. Well, what did you make of the the, the process of the open letter? I was so as far as I can remember this is the first time I've seen something which was so transparent mm. um in any in any sport mm. I'd never seen anything quite like this before and it was kind of it was an explanation of the logic and the inner workings and the strategy behind operating the rugby club and the coaching and more than that, decisions. The, the sort of primary values that like the, the sort of things you would you would come up with the CEO with the with the board of directors and hmm. the, the actual the vision and the mission of the club, so and they're actually 
given yeah. that to the fans as well. Here's what we're trying to do. So on that basis, I liked it. Um, I liked a lot of the principles they were trying to lay out in terms of like the homegrown talent and the, the strategy of allowing someone like Stuart Hooper, who we know from his playing days, is an exceptional leader, an exceptional captain, um, and someone that people listen to, and a great thinker and a great decision maker. Letting him, or the the ambition to um, develop him internally and giving the time to do so and the right people around him to do so. And it, it kind of it made me think, so I'm, I'm a Manchester United fan uh, who have got, so United are very much struggling at the moment uh, with managerial decisions, leadership decisions outside the uh, the managerial position. And there is absolutely zero transparency about what on earth anyone in that club thinks mm. at any stage. And the, the only things you get are uh, so politically guarded um, and caveated that it's all nonsense. So for me, it was really nice and refreshing to mm. see that. Uh, okay, well, I would agree it is nice and refreshing if I believe they meant it, and I don't think they think they mean it. Which which bit? All of it, really. So, <laughs> so do you, you don't think Toby Booth's going at the end of the season? <laughs> no, he's definitely staying. <laughs> so, in terms of the values and the structure, okay, it is very easy to say we're going to develop our academy lads, but you've got to do it. It's very easy to say we're going to develop our coaches, but you've again. You've got to do it. So the first problem here is this is a strategy being executed by a guy that has owned the club and his friend who's also the CEO and might be a very good CEO. I, I don't know. Um, and they've been in the in position for, what, seven or eight years now? After they took over from the Brown Swords? So, yeah, something you know, like that. You know, you've got the same people at the top and they've shown a certain predilection to a way of operating which does not in any way reflect what is in what is in that letter. Uh, well, I think that might be what's being addressed. Okay. Because they haven't they haven't won anything. They've had all this money, they've bought all these superstars, these Galacticos, and they've not won anything. And the Bath when I used to live in Bath and when mm. I went to university in Bath, they had an unbelievable academy. Yeah. They I used to go and watch the under my my, my brother was playing for the under twenty ones and um and I used to go and watch games and the number of guys that would come through from under 19s, under 21s, first team, England, so many players. I mean, I would. It I doesn't, would, doesn't happen. When was the last one of those that happened? Yeah. But Bath imported London Irish's academy yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yes. And, and, and also, the, the coach that bought that academy through to seniors, which is Toby Booth, right? So I get that. But I'd be interested to know what the conversation was eight years ago when, um, when Bruce Craig took over. And if the conversation was, we're going to develop our own coaches and our own academy players, because I can't imagine it sitting down and saying, we're going to steal everyone else's academy players. It would have been the same, it'd been the same sort of conversation. From and not knowing the detail, but from looking at the outside in, I, don't, I think their ultimate goal has been success yeah. at whatever cost. Yes. And so we're just buying, it, buying talent rather than focusing... So this should should see a shift well, away yeah. from. A ba- it's a balance because they have said we want yeah. world class players. If, yeah, if they and grow our own ones. Yeah, if they mean yeah. it, right? More power to them. Great. I just think they're seven or eight years into a project, and I haven't seen any evidence of these guys being the guys to do that. And that goes for. That even goes to you know they do have a good a good academy now. You know it does exist, and they do bring guys through. 
But it doesn't stop them signing loads of players mid-season. And I believe that they're looking for cover at the moment for... Um, uh, was it one of the outside backs? Anyway, it doesn't really matter. Centre there. Is it, it, oh, centre. Uh, thank you, yeah. So they continue They continue to behave mm. in that way. Now, Stuart Hooper's another one. I've only ever heard glowing references about Stuart Hooper. Mm. Um, in fact, it's a direct quote uh, from a pundit friend of yours, Tim. Uh, an outstanding man is he, he is, of he the is, utmost integrity. He, he is a pretty special human being yeah is what, what i seem to just hear in general just to, yeah 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 that's pretty much what all but i mean there are plenty of outstanding human beings todd or, blackadder's an outstanding human being yeah you can make you can make that make that argument i mean you can make an argument for outstanding human beings beings from outside of the rugby sphere but are they going to make great directors of rugby or coaches and it depends what job they're going to give stuart hooper because he's general manager now. Before uh, he was... and he'll be he'll have Todd Blackadder's role of head of rugby, basically. Yeah, but like, what does that mean? Is that tracksuit on? Is that David Humphrey's head of rugby? Is that yeah? Steve... I think that's a more overarching, mm. um, setting the setting the vision and other, uh, and bringing in the right people to execute it. Yeah. So well, it's one it's one to watch. But they they made thirteen changes, did Bath, which I get got a lot of criticism. Yeah, it's a, a joke. Lot. Absolute joke. Uh, why are you when they went to Northampton, they were very, very competitive up, up front. I think they've got a really good loose head in, in, in Nathan Carr. In fact, I actually think that their pack is pretty decent. And if you look at their first game against Bristol, which was a loss, then they had a draw, then they had a win, then they had a win, and they were going in the right direction. Felt like they just threw in the towel before they even sh- showed up at Alliance. Do, do you know what their next three games are? Exeter to lose. Exeter at home in, on Friday. Yep. To lose. Huh? And then Wasps. Cool. But I just kind of think. You know that that's what that's who you got to go and play. Try and win it all. You, you're Bath. What you would have played their first choice team in all of those games in all the first eight weeks of the season. I would play my most competitive team against all of those teams. Yes, all eight weeks. Yep, yeah, all eight weeks. Now, I'm not saying that the most competitive team is the same team every week, but it's the team that I think would have the most chance of winning every week because that is my job as a director of rugby or someone who runs a rugby club. Now. I had a look at this and I did a little bit of totting up. Saracens, in total, from one game to the next, if you add up all the changes to their starting 15 mm-hmm. between matches over the first five rounds, oh, they okay. made 20, 20, 20 interchanges. Okay. So from one game to the next, over five games, they've changed 20 of their first starting 15. Sure. Yep. So, like, on average, four a game. Okay. Yep. Bath made 13 changes in that one game between week four and week five. Yeah. Overall, 22. Over the first five Sorry, weeks. Sorry, what was Saracens? 20. 20. Okay. So, pretty similar. And when you look at the total number of players used, Bath are, I think, three more. And that's with the backdrop of Bath having some key areas where they've got injury. So yeah. they, they haven't had the ability to, to drop centres or wingers. I really don't disagree with you there. I think rotation is fine, okay, but it's little and often. I, I totally agree, but the difference, and that's what that's what Exeter do. That's yeah. what that's what Saracens do. That's what that's what established, well-performing teams do. It's not what Bath did because the partnerships haven't been set. They changed their fly half. And I mean, not, that, that's ludicrous. Changing yeah, fly they're half. not quite sure what the halfback best halfback is. They're not quite sure what the right centre combination is because they've got an injury. Ali Brew was there last week. They're not quite sure. Joe Cock and the singers just started. Who's fullback? Is it Homer? We've got this Atkins, Atkins guy we yeah. quite like. Who's the best second row pair? So they, they haven't, they don't know their best team. They're at a different stage in their evolution. So I actually think 
it was a sensible move from Bath, and I want to defend them for it. Uh, no, I just can't. I can't buy it. I mean, I think I think we know their strongest team, and their strongest team was will be the one that plays on Friday night against some, Exeter. Yeah, well, something that looks like the one they played against Bristol, I'd say, with yep. Jamie Roberts smashing yep. it up at the middle. Yep. That's what. That's, well, that's with what those doing. thirteen guys rested coming back in, but I just don't yeah. think it's a good. But you know, Jamie Roberts is unavailable, isn't and, it? and I tell you what else it does right is those guys who get rotated in, it gives them a bad rep. Because you can have four guys get rotated in and do a real good job in a first-team pack and a first-team backline. But when you rotate 13 all, all, all together, you know, you, there's just too much quality gone. And then the guy who might have done great in the first team might not do great there, in a second team. I suppose there is a question. There's always a how many's too many. Yeah. And that's um, what I'd say. Like Even Saracen suffered. Like That was enforced. But they went through a, a phase where they lost five in a row. You look at the Saracen team and think, God, they usually can handle one or two. And they can, and that's the reason they can because they do give them exposure at first team level. I say first team level; they're all first teamers, but starting fifteen level. Yeah, I hear you. Bristol yeah. did the same thing at Saracens; they changed nine. When yeah, they went there. That, I, I yeah. So I wouldn't do it. I don't mind that they did it. Yeah, because it, it, it is it's a recognition that with the, the players available, and they are they're missing their first two, well, their first three. Mm. Uh, centres. Yeah, I, I think w- Willison, Roberts and Jonathan Joseph all out. I think you do two things. You can buy depth or you can build depth and that is something which Bath have not success, success, successfully done and that's exactly what the best teams do. They build it by giving yeah. the guys and that, bits of experience. And that feedbacks, feedbacks, feeds back to their me- main um, vision. Mm. I, I, I don't mind it too much but there we go. Well, the one thing it did do is it meant a lot of people got in touch with us and said, "See, it's not just the Pro 14. See, you give you give the Pro 14 loads of stick for players not playing. There is a big difference." And I'll just re- I'll just remind <laughs> you of that stat again. Johnny Sexton has played seven Pro 14 games in two years. Well, can I just say it sort of backs up our argument about the Pro 14 because Bath made 13 changes and they were rubbish. So, like, <laughs> if they're all making 13 changes and they're all rubbish, that kind of works. That said. Um, we should talk about what I consider the best game of the weekend by a country mile. Uh, would it be Edinburgh 31, Treviso 30? Oh, my word, it was dynamite. <laughs> it, you well, say I, Treviso, no, Benetton, isn't it? Sorry, it's Benetton. Benetton, yeah. yeah. What a good game. I mean, genuinely, uh, some of the best strike moves I have seen in a game of rugby for God, know, God knows uh, how long. There was one, there's one Edinburgh try in the corner. Uh, it's so good that I had to rewind it, record it on my phone, and send it to the Didsbury Talk H Rugby Group. That's how that's how good 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 it, good it was. So yeah, uh, I mean, give the Pro Twelve as much stick as you want, but that league is getting better and better by the week. Well, it's getting better and better, and on one thing alone, you could argue it's better than the, or it's certainly more competitive than uh, the Premiership, because the Premiership has two unbeaten teams. Yep, and. The Pro 14 doesn't have any unbeaten Is teams right? after only five games. Yeah, yeah. You've always got to say that with a pinch, with a pinch of salt, though, haven't you? Actually, <laughs> there was one unbeaten team last week, wasn't there? Ulster. How do they get on this week? Well, it's safe to say they have been well and truly beaten. Did now. they save up all of their beatings for one, <laughs> for one game? It's quite well, smart, they, isn't it? They, in in their first uh, three wins and their draw. They took a hell of a beating in each one of those because they only <laughs> they only in the last second came back to <coughs> go ahead or come level in each one of those games. So all of their luck well and truly ran out. Do you think this and, is the game where it was just making up for these wins? There, there's an element. And the wins had 
done taken their it, toll because it's there like, were so many injuries. It's to like team. fire prevention in a forest, isn't it? So like you. <laughs> So you're constantly trying to get rid of all like the dead, you know, dead wood, so it doesn't burn. But actually, what happens is you build up the dead wood over years and years and years, and all of a sudden you have a massive fire. Instead of having loads of little ones, you have a huge yeah. one, and that's effectively what well, yeah, happened. Trying to trying to eliminate all forest fires, yes, means that you, when when one does strike, it's big. But, exactly. But, but now is all is what's left embers and scorched earth. Well, or is uh, there's still there's still plenty there. Well, there is a correlation. Um, do you know that uh, Ulster have lost 100 percent of their games where Will Addison didn't play? Wow! Absolutely, yeah. Take that to the bank. One other <laughs> Irish province. One moment I want to bring up. Did you see the Connacht red card oh, for yeah. Robertson? Oh, McCoy. did he get a red card? Corded for that? Got a red card for uh, a start on Josh Van der Fleer. Very quick take. What do you think? 100 percent and ban him for a long time. Yeah. He... How long? Six weeks. Okay. Eight so weeks. I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what the minimum sanction is. Uh, uh, it, you, to me, it looked like so you, you don't take into uh, intent into account determining whether it's yellow or red. You do when you're deter- determining the sanction. He looked down and he stood on his head neck area. It's about as bad as I've seen so uh, it, for a long uh, time. Well, it wasn't, no, no, it, it wasn't. wasn't. He didn't uh, stamp. The, if, if you if you take the force into account, wasn't a lot yeah, of force. It wasn't that much it, force, but it, 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 it was be. a half-hearted stamp. For me, I mean, if you're going to get red carded <laughs> and banned for a stamp. long time, yeah, it should, I, I, for me, it should be a mid-level. Yeah. Whatever the mid-level, if that's yeah. six to eight weeks, yeah. that uh, seems right. Six to eight weeks. There are a lot of people on Twitter saying the guy should never play again. No. It was like, uh, come on, come you know, on. You know, half it stamp. was stupid. It's he'll, so stupid. He'll take his medicine. Yeah. So stupid. But he didn't stamp on him. He. I just think he, like he pressed his boot on his head. He did. It was <laughs> a stupid thing to do. I've got a ton of sympathy for people who get into trouble. You know. They get into a ruck or something, and they slip, and the shoulder hits a head, and you know, four weeks here, four weeks there. Turn of, turn of sympathy for those guys. I think if you're looking at a, a guy's head, and and, and you stamp on, I, I'm not just saying this to to be you know some high and mighty pious person. Yeah, you are. But I I don't think I could stand on someone's head. Put this on Twitter, you'll get loads of retweets, yeah. Jay. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think I I don't think I could stand on on someone's head in the same way I couldn't put my fingers in someone's eyes. Yes. Ooh, yeah, yeah, I just couldn't do it. And if he if he can do it, I I'm miss thinking... a bit of shoe pie in a ruck. I honestly think that's less dangerous than yeah. than the neck rolls and stuff that people are allowed well, to do. Well, not well, neck rolls, but the the body rolls that people are allowed to do, I, so... and, and the the contortion that somebody's going to. I think actually, and what I would say about this, the it's not a mitigated circumstance. It's not me saying that Robertson McCoy. Well, didn't do something really bad that he shouldn't get banned for. It was red card. He should get banned. Give for him twelve weeks. A, mi- a mid level. I don't think twelve weeks. Give- like, I don't know what I don't know what the the, the top end and mid end is. But I'd go mid level because he didn't hit him with a load of force anyway. Um, but my point being, so it's like a Josh hard- Van der Fleer was knew what he was doing when he was holding his leg in the ruck for a long period of time. And there's, a, there's an element where sometimes I go, I like a bit of self-policing, not stamping someone on the head. <laughs> ruck, yeah. ruck justice. But a bit, a bit of ruck justice, and I miss a there good is, bit of shoe pie. There is honour among thieves, isn't there? Yes, and, there is. You know, I don't really have a problem. In fact, in fact, we used to love it after like, a, youth, a youth team game where you talk your tops off and you just oh, had all the stud, stud marks. marks. It was love so it. cool. I, <laughs> That, that turned into shark bite by the time you had the swimming lesson in school with the girls. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but, like, then I remember a game distinctly, and I just saw one of my teammates' ankles getting stamped on repeatedly. I thought, well, hang yeah. on. This yeah. is something quite different now. Yes. And the self-policing, unfortunately, lends itself to absolute morons. And if Robinson McCoy wants to stand on someone's head, he can. But I would give him 12 weeks and a good talking to. Yeah. But Josh van der Fleer deserved a little bit of rock justice of <laughs> some description. Yeah, I mean... 
Not you that. need some justice. Not that. And I wonder if there's something. I mean, by the way, can we just can we just point out right the most moral, high-minded person in all of rugby, David Pocock, choked out Michael Leach. With, <laughs> yes, you know, that, that, I, I would have given him. An, I would have given him a year. Yeah, because of the irony. Yeah. Of his, his, uh... Of course, they couldn't get him to bloody disciplinary because he's tied up to a tree somewhere. <laughs> but, um, you know, I'd give him a year for choking someone out because that is bad. Yeah. Um, where else do we want to go? Should we talk about another brilliant game this weekend in the uh, Gallagher Premiership? Leicester South. Oh, no, no, not that no. one. <laughs> it was amazing just how much the BT Sport crew hated that game. Yep. Everyone, they were so down on it. And yeah. it, it wasn't a great well, they game. All th- do you know, that's actually... And they don't... Did they show it? You tell me if they show it. I don't think that they do. But three Leicester fans there. Uh, yeah. Nick, three Leicester fans? Yeah. Nick, um, Nick Ben, and Nick, uh, Austin. Yeah, three Leicester fans, I would say. Three... Not that... And I, I want to stress, they did not sound like Leicester th- No, uh, no, no. Three, three people who have connections to either the city of Leicester or Leicester Tigers Rugby or Club. Or on the board of Leicester Tigers Rugby Club. Well, yeah. Yeah, certainly, yeah, that Certainly, one, yeah, but that's yeah. not hidden. No, 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 it's no, absolutely no, no. not. And, no, no. and they didn't, they actually didn't show it in commentary no. at all. I no. thought it was an interesting thing. Yeah. I almost I, I think, you know, much like a dad who is a, who, who gives his, his son on the team, if he's the, the dad as the coach of a team, gives his son extra hard time. I think in the case of Austin, he's, he's actually, he, and he, he, he's not doing it for the sake of it, but he is actually, Tough on Leicester. Yeah. Well, he was very, very tough on uh, Lima Lima Sapuanga. Was it Lima Sapuanga? On Friday night. Yeah. Bone and Barrett wouldn't, uh, <laughs> yeah. Bone and Barrett wouldn't oh, do that. Oh, what a beautiful moment. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was great. It was a great moment. He was also tough on uh, Max, Craig Maxwell Keys. Oh, we need to talk about the refing this weekend. Oh, well, on both Friday night and more, Sunday. More Friday night than Sunday. Oh, okay. So, Carl Dixon. Yeah. At Kingston Park. A very unique way of refing. Okay. Uh, well, you basically don't, you, you know, you do, you give decisions a very blase way and you for, wait for intervention from up above. I quite for, like for it. For tries specifically. <laughs> yeah. So that he gave three decisions for tries mm. that weren't all, I think it was two disallowed without any thought and then <laughs> one that was given. And then as he was like walking away, the team, he's like, uh, Carl? He, Carl, it's John. John, <laughs> yeah. was, like, like who else is it going to be? Yeah, <laughs> Carl, it's, Carl, it's John. Yeah. Uh, I think you better have a look at this. Yeah. Uh, is, is this insurance again? <laughs> You've had a claim. Um, I, it was a case of like, Carl, Carl would look like look um, look at the triangle. Yeah, go and have it, and then walk away. With, it, it just seemed like he was relying on the TMO an awful lot, which is fine but because he's with, there. But without specifically going to the TMO. Yeah, yeah, he didn't ask him. Didn't ask the TMO for anything. Hoping the TMO would. Uh, TMO got the Le Bourgeois in. try wrong. That was a try, and because it was a knock on, then he regathered. But he regathered. That's fine. But that could yet cost me in fantasy rugby draft. Oh god, that's <laughs> what he was thinking. Um, I thought the worst one to miss was the foot in touch. Because that yeah. guy was so in touch, it was ridiculous. Which one? Uh, the the John... last one. I in can't the remember. corner. The yeah. Bassett try. No. It wasn't the Bassett no, try. It was no, Penny. Ba- Tom Penny. Tom yeah, Penny. Yeah, the Bassett try. It's like he didn't even score. Yeah. So they put the ball down. They dotted it down. No reaction from uh, uh, from anyone. Not even Bassett celebrated. They all walked off. Yeah, and Carl, Carl was right, 22. Yeah, 22. <laughs> oh, Carl, it's a try. Oh, sorry, try. Most low-key try I've ever seen. But let's talk about the end of that game. 
Yes. Uh, so first, so, yeah, so firstly, he, he gave a penalty to Wasps. Yeah. And we had this conversation about what do you do at the end of games when you have a when you have a penalty and the clock's not going to run dead. <laughs> what do you do? Yeah, you can't use your minute to run it dead. So Wasps thought the the minute was going to run it dead, or the ninety seconds I think the law is was going to have run it dead. Oh right, yeah, the kick. So they so they opted for posts. At which point, Carl Carl Dixon said, "What was the time when I gave the penalty?" And I don't know if the law is what's the it's 90 seconds from when you award the penalty or 90, 90 seconds from when you opt to go for I would imagine sticks. it's opt. I would have thought so, but Carl Dixon took 60 seconds from the point at which he awarded the penalty. So there, it would then be restarted, but Wasps were then committed to kicking. Now, if that were the case, I would have made sure I kicked it, kicked the leather off it, give it to Elliot Daly so it goes dead. Instead, it dropped in field and Gonover could run it out without having to take a dropout. Uh, I didn't really pick up, pick, pick yeah. up on and that. Gonover Gunn- uh, didn't even fake to touch no. the ball down. He yeah, just, exactly. He and then what followed was a, a four-minute attack by Newcastle, and they inched closer and closer and closer. And it looked to me like there were three absolute guaranteed penalties so, we talk, to Newcastle. So even more interesting was when, when Newcastle first started running out from their own 22, he gave two penalties to Newcastle when they were just outside their 22 and then uh, like just inside That's their right. own 10-meter line. That's so right. he gave two, two easy penalties that were nowhere near kickable, that were real soft penalties. But then as soon as they got into a kickable position, he didn't give them anything until they eventually knocked on. Yeah. Do you know what? I watched so much rugby this weekend that it's all kind of phased into one. But um, yeah, you're right because I think I said to you, don't I feel like at the end of the game, like he really bottled that. That if that yeah, decision, yeah. if that wasn't a game-winning decision, then he would have given that penalty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, he given two much softer ones than the three that he didn't give in the same passage of play. Yeah, just because they were non-kickable positions. It was, it was interesting. It's, it, po- it's, it's a tough job. It's a really, it's a really tough, tough job. Tough, tough, tough. I don't blame Cole Dixon. I mean, I do think he would have acted differently. But actually, the real problem here was. Newcastle allowed Wasps to score more points. You know, if it comes yeah. down to Cole Dixon, it ultimately comes down yeah, to you. It, 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 yeah, and that, that is a very, very good point. The, the, the single point of failure is very easy to blame. Yes. Yeah. But you've got to look further than that, and you've got to, it, it is difficult to analyse across a full 80-minute uh, game how many times did Newcastle force silly turnovers? How many yeah. times did they take the ball a little bit too flat, a little bit too much pace, so they forced to knock on completely agree with with little pressure on them and can I just reiterate as well how well Johnny Williams played I <laughs> thought he was brilliant and I just wish he, he played somewhere closer to here than Newcastle <laughs> where where uh, what um, so how many clubs are closer to here I don't know but like somewhere we could easily watch him because he's a great player to watch <laughs> what uh, what was I going to say then oh yeah why didn't to- um, Toby Flood drop back in the pocket at any point as well yeah. I don't understand why he didn't have a crack at a drop goal anyway mm. I think it was, a bit, was he not a bit too far out by that point mm. they he, were in, they he were, could have had a crack they were just outside the 22 yeah we were hoping to get closer but mm. anyway. anyway anyway so no the game that I wanted to talk about which admittedly I've only seen the extended highlights but it was a hell of a game a 40-45 amazing isn't it 85 point thriller at Ashton Gate with Bristol being edged out to Northampton Saints. Getting two points, though. Two hook points will be very, very important come the end of the season. Um, it was a tremendous game. Can some, I just say on Fantasy Rugby tries. Draft, I sign... Uh, you can go and look at our <laughs> Facebook page, facebook.com slash eggchasers, and I did a very 
comprehensive <laughs> pre-season roundup of Bristol. And I and in our fantasy rugby draft draft, I signed the Bristol front row, thinking, "I'm on here, Harry Thacker." Harry you never thought that. You Harry, never, you you, never. Yeah. Thought Go and have that. a look at the video. Yeah. Go I, and have a look at the video. I and remember, then I signed I them. Remember the conversations. And then I signed them as my fantasy rugby draft front row, thinking, "Harry Thacker, I am in the points here." And then they didn't do very well for the first few weeks in fantasy rugby draft. Tell you what. And I, I dropped them. I picked them up and they get 30-odd points. You want to talk about um, <laughs> bad, cap man- bad cap management. I mean, I'm not going to give them... Yeah, I'm going to give them some stick. Forget it. You've got Tom Young's... Well, no, yes. Tom Young's as hooker. His backup is somewhere on 300k plus in Australia, right? Well, in... In South Africa, but not playing for Australia. Yeah, because, basically because he's picked up a knock. He's not in your facility. Yeah, right. He's, and then thousands of miles. Two away. men in yes. their two men in their thirties as well. Two men, yeah, in in uh, in, in their thirties. Meanwhile, you've got Thacker and McGuigan, who you could probably get for a lot cheaper, who are a lot younger and are tearing up trees. Yeah. Ugh, what are you thinking, Leicester Tigers? What are you <laughs> thinking? So yeah, um, Bristol, Northampton. Now yeah. again. There's a lot of people complaining about the Andy Uren try disallowed. Yes. Which was a try, in my opinion, because yes. I don't believe he was held. He should have been entitled to get up and, and carry on. But the single point of failure argument, it's mm. that, that unfortunately for a Bristol fan, did not lose the game. Um, and they had multiple opportunities to get points on the board at other times. Yes, agreed. Um, although I will say, so Sheedy came in for Madigan. Uh, they're both playing pretty well. It doesn't help losing your uh, your starting fly half uh, just before kickoff or not long before kickoff. Um, in the same way as uh, Sale Sharks found out with three tri- <sighs> three tries to one in the Leicester game, yeah, but no one could kick. Yes. Well, to be fair, Wilcliffe is is a good kicker. He just had an off day. He did. He had a Bowden Barrett day. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. No, 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 no. <laughs> on, on sale... No, no, let's, pe- let's, pe- let's, let's, let's come sale later. No, 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 all I'm saying is on that, just kicker point, people with far less uh, experience at, and um, expertise, just regular fans, people like us, were, were saying, I think it's a bit worrying to put all your eggs in the AJ McGinty basket. Oh, well, it's kind of not, though, is it? One fly half, one goal kicker. Yeah, but, I mean, if Steenson gets injured for Exeter, right? Joe Simmons. Yeah, but then all the eggs are in the Joe Simmons basket. You've got to remember, Sale have O'Connor. That's the second basket. That's the second basket. Yeah, yeah, but they have O'Connor too, right? Um, And then also they've got Kieran Wilkinson and, you know, so on and so forth. Um, I would say it was just unlucky that it happened on that day. If he wasn't available... Uh, they would have come up with something else. And actually, Sam James did fine at 10. Sam James wasn't the problem. You're right. Kicking was the problem. Kicking was the problem. And if they had Faf, they'd have a better goal kicker. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk about yeah. the other game. Let's talk about yeah. the other game. There's nothing to talk about the Salem, um, Leicester game. It's the only other point from the Bristol game. Uh, well, no. So the Morahan try was sensational. The crossfield kick. Oh, yeah. Uh, and Naira Voro, his try. Running over Stephen Luatua. Like he, like he was a yeah. speed bump, Like he wasn't there it. at yeah. all. Uh, yeah, that's 
frightening. That's, that's a glimpse of what Naira he Volo, can do. He just runs in a straight line. Yeah, no step, yeah. nothing. His just, legs. Why would you need his to? His legs are yeah. so big <laughs> and moving so fast that Luita didn't slow him down a tiny bit. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's I'm r- just trying to find right. Yeah, the one thing I would say about Bristol, oh, well, lots of things I'd say about Bristol. First of all, they're not getting relegated. I'm going to call it right now. There, there is no hope this team is getting relegated. Well, you're, Be- about, you're, you're, about, you're about five weeks behind me and Phil. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, glad you're on board. But like, it's just not, it's, it's not even close. Um, I think it'll be close. I don't, I don't. Think oh, I don't. Be, I mean. I, I predicted 10th for If them they're doing well the now. No, it's going to be higher than that. Uh, if they're doing well now, imagine what they're going to do during the, or, like, the international windows. I mean, they're going to, and they're only going to get better. They're only going to get more mm, confident. And scoring points. I mean, that's pretty difficult in the Premiership, but they have no problems with it whatsoever. Yep. Yep, yep. Yeah, that is the biggest positive for Bristol. Yeah, so um, pretty good. The other thing, though, they are very, very overweight with foreign players. I mean, maybe that's what they have to do, but their team is massively skewed towards foreign players. Or Maybe, maybe I'm, I'm being unfair. But you, but you tell me. Morahan, Luatua. Well, just Pia, going from the Pia front. Tau, PC, uh, uh, Madigan, Afoa, uh, Chris, Chris Luatua, Chris, uh, Chris Louis, George Smith, Jack Lamb, Joe Latter. I mean, yeah. Have you seen Joe Latter's hair, by the Stur-Zaka, way? Sturzaka, Kirchner's there. Right, have you Joe seen Latt- Joe Latter's hair? Uh, yes, I have. <laughs> What's I going on there? Is that that's got to be a drink? That's got to be a bet, hasn't it? <laughs> it's not good. It's not good. It's left just a. It's all short back and sides, except for one patch at the back. I, I'm assuming it's a dare, but I, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. Mm. Maybe he's cultivating it for potential advertising space. Mm. You're going to get not, someone to shave uh, cornerstone uh, into the back one, of his head. Two, three. <laughs> Is it three English players that they fielded in their first fifteen? Let's have a look. Four, maybe. Is Ed Holmes English? Uh, Hurrell. He was the one that came from Exeter. Hurrell, Hurrell Sheedy, Uren Thacker. Ed Holmes, five. five. Five in the start in 15. Should you not um, Welsh, no? Uh, honest answer is I don't know. Don't worry. Po- but, point taken, but what's interesting is, that, but there are, again, there are stages with this. And Bristol, if they came up like they did last time going, we're going to have loads of young guys, loads of local lads, they'll get humped and go back down. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're fulfilling a role now. Yeah. And hope they will change that time. And Pat Lamb has made that part of his process. But but here's another one. Mm-hmm. Gloucester have done the same thing. They've got how did how was it put in the was it in, in one newspaper or was it I can't remember where I saw it, but they put the the Biltong bunch or something like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I saw it, yeah. Um but yeah, but anyway, they've signed seven South Africans because they want success now. now. And they don't want to wait. And you couldn't And you know who else did that? Saracens. I mean, when they got yeah, good. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. That is the Saracens model. That's yeah. what they did initially when Brendan Venter and, first came in. And Exeter probably... So when they first moved to the Premiership, there was very, very little homegrown talent. And they have they have moved more mm. and more in and developed their academy more and more. And now they're in a position, a very envious position, where they've got more homegrown talent than yeah. others. It's a tough one because I kind of think uh, it's a lovely story, but most of these guys are not exactly Bristolian. I'll tell you the other, the other thing as well. We had this conversation when we first heard that uh, Charles Piertow had moved. And, um, you know, 700k, that's a, that's a lot for a fullback. But, yeah, that, by the way, they're doing well without him. Yeah. 
Yeah. Now, my point on this was he's worth 700k, just not to them. You know, he's probably worth 700k to wasps or 700k to Saracens. He'd be tearing up, tearing up trees. Well, no, I was wrong, because I think when he comes in the inside team, he's going to be worth every penny. Yeah. I my think, word. I think so. The, the real shame, though, is he'll be coming in when the weather's... So a, a day like Saturday would be oh, perfect for Peter Town. When the, weather, when the grounds are firm and yeah. fast and when the weather's good. He's the kind of guy you want. On I your tell you, team. What, you do not want to see Bristol show up to your place if you've got a, got a plastic pitch. They're the last people yeah, they, they, yeah. They, they, they want to see. Right, here's here's one. Just a little interlude. Okay, I was I was thinking about this because the Ryder Cup's been on this weekend. It has. So I thought if you were coming up with like a, a Ryder Cup from Europe, mm-hmm. goal kickers. Oh, okay. Like, so just just dead eye goal kickers. I was thinking it's the closest element of rugby to golf. It's close. Oh, motor, okay. Fine yep. motor skill, goal kicking. We've got to pick our 12 people. So, obviously, you can go Sexton, Halfpenny, Farrell, Bigger, Laidlaw, straight off the bat. So, and what are they playing? Are the kickers playing golf or are they playing... Just No, just doing goal kicking. So, okay. if you had, like, a rest of the world, a Europe v. rest of the world, let's say, and you had to pick 12 goal kickers to, to, in a goal kicking uh, with you. Okay. shootout. Sexton, Sexton, Halfpenny, Farrell, Bigger, Laidlaw, and Machino is the first six. Right. And then I've got, see what you think, Ramos from Toulouse. Pretty dead eye. Cooney from Ulster. Ram, how did you come up from Ramos from Toulouse, by the way? I've never even heard of he, the guy. He, he was uh, one of the top point scorers in the pro, uh, top 14 last year. There you year. go. Never, Do you know who the top scorer in the Pro 14 was last year? Oh, hang on. Hang uh, top 14, sorry. Uh, no, let me guess. The way you're speaking about it, it has to be someone that we'd know. It's someone that we would know, definitely. So it's going to be uh, it's gonna be Ryan Lamb? No. Oh. No. Uh, ben Botica. Is it? Really? He was also the player of the season. What? <laughs> what? 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 Pl- playing for relegated Oyana. I thought he played for Montpellier. Last year he played for But he's, just, he's moved again. Yeah, yeah. He's gone to... Is it Claremont? I don't know. He gets around. Uh, anyway, so my 12th. He's signed a big deal, So yeah. those six. Para, Ramos, Cooney, Priestland, Weir. Oh, no, Ford. Oh, Cooney has to be in there. Yeah, yeah. he does. One, two, three, four, five, Cliff? six, seven, eight. Uh, Ford Russell Canner. Oh, Vadim Kovalash. Hey! So I will add one because yeah, on. so the Pro 14 very handily. Angus O'Brien. Do. <laughs> uh, I'm just looking at. What, he, he was top scorer two years ago. I'm just looking at what year this is actually. It doesn't. It doesn't give a year on this. This is presumably the latest one. So they Pro 14 give the Golden Boot Award every year. Oh, do they? Which is not the top kicker. I know. It's the most yeah. accurate kicker. Ah. And assuming that this is last Chris year's... Chris Patterson would have won that all the time with his little... Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, in oh. Front, it's in front of the sticks. I'll have this one. It's not in front of the sticks. What's, it, what's the name? What's Dan, it? Dan Parks. Dan Parks. Dan Parks, it. you take it. <laughs> um, Sam Davis of Ospreys. 88% oh, really? kick success. Has he been playing recently? Uh, so this is last. I'm assuming this is last year. It doesn't actually give a date. Oh, on interesting. It. But yeah, I, right. I wouldn't have picked him to be the most accurate kicker. No, no I wouldn't. Well, um, so the other games, yeah. let's just quickly mention. Uh, so Exeter comfortably beat uh, Worcester. Yes, by less points than I was expecting, but it was a, a five-point win. Um, the big talking point, I guess, from that is Big Dave Ewers is back. Mm. Very much so. Big Dave. Two tries. Big Dave, 125 kg of Zimbabwean beef. And if... So Eddie Jones has got this uh, kind of six-slash-second-row berth, which seemingly has to be someone not English-born. Yeah. Because he's got Brad Shields, he's got Michael Rhodes, he's had Armand, he's had Mike Williams in that squad. Um, Dave Ewers, 
fits that mould yeah. so perfectly because he's so strong. I, I guess the only problem is because he's 125kg, he's not as much as a, of a line-out option as those other ones. So, uh, But yeah, good to see him back. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. He's playing too well to be picked for England, frankly. <laughs> yeah. Why would you do that? Um, and the other game, Gloucester, who we thought had had a good start to the seasons, hosting Harlequins, yeah. who we know have had a bad start to the season, yeah. and Quins came away with a win. And wow. despite in that... So again, watching the, the extended Gloucester's highlights... Gloucester's here next year, yeah? That, oh, yeah. yeah. So it basically tells you everything you need to know about these two teams, right? So uh, in the famous words of the American football coach, they are who we thought they were. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, Harlequins are a bad team who get good good results, and Gloucester are as flaky as they've always been. Two two losses on the bounce now, you know, one three lost two. Well, so the Saracens defeat. I mean, they got ab- they got royally beaten. They yeah. got hammered, didn't they? And, they? and they haven't got the bath excuse of making thirteen changes. No. Yeah, and then they just didn't recover well at all. To get beaten by a Harlequins team, who I thought they'd comfortably beat, frankly. Yeah, well, I, I suppose on that so. front, from Bath's point of view, let's if we assume that, or let's just take for an assumption at the moment that Bath would have sent their strongest team and still lost. Yeah, they, they've they actually still they've still got that, that little mental thing in their mind. Yeah, but they haven't we haven't played that we haven't played them. Whereas Gloucester sent their A team in, got battered. Do you yeah. know what? They might have been better if they sent their A team in. Um, <laughs> yeah. They did get hammered. God, Saracens are. And then, too good. yeah, so. But, 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 but lo- losing at home to Quinns will be a hammer blow. Do you know what? I wonder if Saracens are going to get a slightly easier ride than they should because everyone shows up there with a second team. <laughs> <laughs> like we, we accidentally give them the league. Yeah, well, because it, it, it used to be, certainly in football, it used to be the historic thing of whoever the top team in the league are, everyone turns up. Everyone will play their best game yes. against Chelsea away or United away or Arsenal away, whatever it is. So they their their home games, the one that they should win, actually ends up being the hardest game. Yes. Whereas Saracens, they've gone that far that people just don't even bother anymore. You just don't even, just don't even show up. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's not even, not even worth it. Yeah. But Quinns, I, w- I was impressed to see the bit. So the first 15 minutes, it was all Gloucester. And then Quinn's p- defensive pressure forced... Uh, it was a Banahan. It was a fired pass from Cipriani to Banahan who fumbled it and Nathan Earl picked it up and goes 60 yards to score. Uh-huh. And it came from the Quinn's p- defensive pressure and stopping Gloucester from getting over that gain mm. line. And it's... Now, I'm not I'm not a completely turned around. I'm not being hysterical and reactionary to one semi-decent Quinn's performance. But it did show kind of the start of the Gustard regime. And it, w- it was interesting hearing Marla in his multiple interviews in the week, because obviously he was asked about Gustard coming in. And it, he was very much, look, it, it's a complete change. It's new systems, new processes, new people. It is going to take time, but it, w- it will come good. And I just think that might be uh, a glimpse on the route of Quinn's changing that kind of flaky defensive you mentality. Know, there's... Um... There's a few teams in the NFL. I think the NFL is important because there's no promotion relegation, so they're always the same teams. Mm-hmm. And there's just a baked-in DNA. So the Ravens always play good defense. The Browns are always bad. You know, the Steelers are always good. Well, not this year, but you know, we sort of know before we even start the season. And then occasionally, you know, someone does, does something different. 
I quite help but think that some of the DNA of these teams is exactly what it is. Gloucester are flaky, and Quinns just or they're and just look Quinns. What happened to Leicester Tigers when they tried to change from their DNA? Yeah. As they did, they tried to play not a power forward oriented game. They tried to play an all court type of rugby, and the wheels have come off. Yeah, mm. I tell. Sorry, just go back to the, the the Edinburgh game, right? Watch that Edinburgh game. Because it actually looks like it's been, like Edinburgh are being coached by uh, Aaron Major, not Richard Cockrell, <laughs> which is the irony of the whole thing. Um, yeah, you, you're right about Leicester, though. You know, they lost, they lost, their, lost their, their identity. So, but, but there's something about that, isn't there? Like Exeter, if they suddenly started signing a load of big, of big superstars on who would, huge money. Oh, who would be the least Exeter signing? Uh, uh, no, oh, let, well, Sopwonga. No, you got work. No, no, no. Um, Quade Cooper. Quade Cooper. That's a yeah, perfect. Yeah, that that, that's a. They bring even in Quade one. Cooper. They bring in Israel Falau. <laughs> oh, uh, please. And Curtly Beale. Curtly Beale. Curtly Beale. Lovely, and, lovely uh, um, assist for, oh, for, that, for that South African try. For sec- after 23 seconds <laughs> to throw a double miss on your own line. What was he thinking? Do you know what, though? A very extra signing would be. I was about to joke and say, yeah, uh, Tom James, but they already signed him. <laughs> and they already signed uh, Ollie Cuthbert. And he's a- doing Alex fine. Cuthbert, Alex Cuthbert, Cuthbert. sorry. And, and he's doing absolutely fine. So maybe, maybe their culture is so overpowering they can change anyone into a, a great player. Maybe. We'll see. Yeah, Cuthbert's a good But, te- but that case. DNA and identity, I think, is, I think that's really important. And I love that about rugby that. The history, these clubs, yes, the professional era is only 20 some years old, but for like this, this game is 150 years old or more. Mm. And that there are traditions and there are feelings, and there are, and like you know, again, it's one of the reasons I think Gatland has done a brilliant job with Wales, but I think it's one of the reasons why some people actually give him a bit of stick until he started opening up because Wales to me was always traditionally. You know, a flair players, incredible players with unbelievable skill so, and steps and, and all of that. And France, horrible when they go away from playing offloading, quick, yeah. attacking rugby. France, yeah, we're, we're simpatico on that one. Wales, um, the DNA for Wales in my memory has just been terrible. Like, <laughs> honestly, just the worst embarrassing when you were team. a kid in the 90s. God, it was bad. Like, it was so, so bad. <laughs> That's what I think Think when I think of Wales. Mm. Anyway, yeah, yeah, so I guess it shows as well, doesn't it, how hard it is, like how much you need to change things if you really want to, want to change things. Like you've got to completely gut a club, like Black Monday in Saracens or whatever it was called when they just fired everyone. <laughs> Off you go. Hmm. Um, should we just quickly touch on the rugby championship scores? Yes. You want to talk about Sale, Sale Leicester? We'll come back to we, that. We've spoken about that, haven't we? Not really, but not, we don't uh, need not... to either, is the answer. Yeah, I think we've, I think we've said everything that needs to be said. If mm. Sale had a goal kicker, they'd win. Leicester don't look great, but managed to scrape it. Oh, we're not spoken about Dor- Dorian West yet. <laughs> no. Again. We, we, we can come again, to that, but yeah, rugby you... championship. Um, anyone, do we need to put out an appeal at this point? Um, if, if anyone can let Argentina know where their set piece has gone... Can they please get in touch with us and we'll uh, we'll let them know. This was a myth-busting game because Bowden Barrett kicked 100% as well. Yes. Including a couple from the touchline. I mean, to the point... Touchline's Argentina's (laughs) scrum... 
for the Argentina scrum and line out got humped. Bowden Barrett was 100% off the tee. I'm, I think we need to get the, the, the police involved in this. So I some think... sort of betting scam. What's going on? Augustin Creevy is the most overrated player on earth. I have said this for God knows how long. If we looked at his win percentage at both club and country, it is minuscule. Um, the flip side of looking at that is, oh man, New Zealand aren't just an incredible backline. They've got an absolute weapon of a pack as what? well. What? Who, New Zealand? Oh, and yeah, 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 the, yeah, this, yeah, yeah. This is their second choice pack in a lot of Yeah, they're uh, amazing. They're amazing. Well. Oh, you know, um, Shannon Frizzell, the number six. Oh, or man, six, where did he come row. from? So did, you know, did you know his name a year so, ago, really? Nope. So, yeah, um, yeah he's, he's rugby league, isn't he? All? Well, so his brother... His brother is. That's right. And his brother, so his brother plays rugby league for, I can't remember who it is, uh, the Sharks. Um, oh, was it? But, so uh, South Sydney Trollhunters or something. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> he is also an Australian rugby league international and a Welsh rugby league international. Because their, know that. their dad is Welsh. So they're... So Wales are apparently eyeing him up. I knew that bit. As a, I don't believe it, though, to be honest. Well, they'll be looking at him in the same like, way. In the same way that Ireland had Billy Burns on their radar. I mean, it'd have to be a very, very reasonable price, is what I'm saying, because Wales struggle enough to bring their home, their actual players home, without going over and spa- uh, splashing loads of cash on, you know, Sam Burgess type projects. So, yeah, okay, if they want to, fine. But you know, someone described him as the Sam Burgess of um, of. Welsh, of, of Welsh rugby, <laughs> like Sam Burgess style enforcer, but he's only like six foot. He's not massive. We play second row or centre. Yeah. So anyway, I'm, I'm thinking six foot. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh. Uh, well, his, Shannon is a big boy. Is he? Yeah, he's playing six slash second row for the All Blacks. Yeah, yeah. I guess so he's quite big. Yeah, <laughs> he's gonna be gonna be fairly handy. Um. So yeah, the fairly routine win for New Zealand. The, the um. The two finishes from uh, Rico Ioane, sensational. The break, the offload from Sonny Bill for the break for Rico Ioane was just incredible. To to tie up three players Mm. and just flick round the back. Um, Sonny Bill coming back just to demonstrate, just to basically not put that company that makes age nine shorts out of business. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you talk about um, Maratoji being built like an athlete, oh. Sonny Bill. Sonny Bill. Sonny Bill. Else. Yeah. We tweeted a picture of Sonny Bill and Rico Ioane, uh both wearing the same black vest. Just, <laughs> just, I'm sure it was the same size, but it fit them slightly different. Slightly different, yeah. Sonny Bill is something else. Yeah. You've, st- you've stood like oh, a metre yeah. away from him. What's oh. he like? Uh, Phenomenal. Phenomenal. It was, yeah, it's bizarre. It was bizarre. Yeah, it, yeah. He's, and Jerome Kano, I imagine. Was Jer- Jerome Kano is a different, a, a different species to us. I, I don't know what he is, but he's he he is a frightening looking man. Actually, where is he? Is he still involved in All Blacks? Toulouse. Is he gone? Gone. Oh, he's at Toulouse. He is thirty five or thirty six now. You can understand why. Well, but Bam, St- Steve, Stephen Lewitour, by the way, uh, there was some talk today. He's saying he's looking like he's going to extend his stay with Bristol and and give up on a potential World Cup spot with New Zealand. When you look at the New Zealand back row and how they're playing, you can understand why a reported seven hundred grand a year might actually be. Uh, do you know what? Yeah. Plus, but, but Stephen Luatua, he's had a tough paper round. Yeah. He, he's twenty six. He does not look twenty six. <laughs> What's the name of Big Brian from uh, Glasgow? Oh my! 
<laughs> I've met Big Brian. I've shaken hands with him. Yeah. He is, he is huge. But like, he's, he's about 20, he's allegedly about 23. Yeah, apparently. Like, I met him when he was like, 21. Yeah. <laughs> I, I could not believe my eyes. <laughs> like, he's just a giant of a man. And like, not just, you know, some guys are tall. Some, I mean, he, he doesn't look overly muscular. Because he's just so big. He's all in proportion big. You're like His hands are like shovels. Like He doesn't look... He looks like a normal-sized person, but just massive. Scaled up. <laughs> yeah. Scaled up. Like, like size like, 26 when you, feet. Uh, when you do your... You used to do your own... Create your own player on Madden. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you just like... Bigger, the, bigger. Bigger, bigger, yeah. bigger. Biggest. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyway, but I suppose Stephen Little has put his head in some uh, ugly places, so, uh, you know. Yeah, he's doing he, He's well. done the work to uh, look like that for 26. Well, he looks the same age as George, George Smith when they're stood next to each other. <laughs> How long will George Smith go for? Because he's still pretty effective. Yeah. He is. Yeah, when the referees let him get away with it, he's effective. Mm. I say let him get away with when it. When they Just let the boys play. Don't penalise him. Yeah. Um... The only other thing to mention, the Australia-South Africa game. Faffa's ace. Brilliant start. Yeah. Uh, and then the second half, it just the game just died. Just nothing was happening. Knock-ons, reset scrums, lost ball in contact, losing uh, line-outs, losing... Faffa's uh, amazing. Do you we know all... what I thought watching the rugby championship? Both from what South Africa and Argentina bring, and Argentina are in England, England's pool, let's not forget. Yeah, which is a bit worrying. You're not going to be able to match New Zealand doing what New Zealand do. Nope. But New Zealand do everything, which, is, they which do. does make it difficult. They do, but you're going to have to do something different. You're going to have to do something uniquely you and incredibly well to beat New Zealand. Yeah. And you look at Argentina and then you look at South Africa, who England have got to play. Hold on. No, hold on. Are, are England, are South Africa and Argentina. No, it's France. No, France, France. France. Sorry. Anyway. Tonga, USA, Argentina, France. Yeah. England. England. I, I think you talk about DNA. I think England need, and we talked about this before, so I'm not going to go on to it, but they need, and this is why I'm going Farrell, 10. Massive unit, 12. That's See, the English way. Massive, horrible pack. That's England. That's how you win a World Cup. Yeah. And you're uh, England. You might be right. Tell you what, Dean Ryan's got his Let's hand. Play, oh, basically, sorry, what, what I'm saying is Warren Ball. <laughs> yeah, Eddie, it's time to play Warren Ball. Hey, tell you what, well, he might be your next coach. Yeah. So you don't know well, yeah. Oh, no, actually, I know who the next coach is, and it's not him. Because it's on that bit of paper. <laughs> it's on that bit of Hidden paper. in the now, safe. I do think we should take the bits of paper outside your house. Because <laughs> this is a, yeah, a massive scum by me. Should I just say who, uh, who it's going to be? I'll, I'll write it on the board. No. It's, not it's yet. up to you. We can, no, not yet. I can take them. I can put them in my little. Uh, wait, till the, wait till the Autumn Internationals. My little laptop pouch. Yeah. Wait till the autumn well, just on there, you take them because otherwise people are going to think that I, I think this is the greatest scam no, of all time. Yeah. No, 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 this is that. people. This, this you, you know what? Um, it's like uh, I've got a guy who said that he'll house them in Bermuda. <laughs> I should really do that, shouldn't I? We can call him up. Mm. In fact, actually, I'm not going to have the organisational skills yet. Phil, can you pick up those pieces of paper? <laughs> send them to Bermuda for pa- me. Pass them to me. I'll Leave them there. Them the fact that the fact that we know where they are and they're not going anywhere. Yeah, yeah. but Jay's going to Jay's going to. And even no, if he doesn't, he's going to get accused of it when he gets it right. And I, I know who it is. That's the weird thing. I know who, and when he'll be appointed. Can I just say one thing? Um, I got. Um, I saw my dad today, and he, he he had a little gift. He said, "I thought I thought you might like this, Tim." He gave me a gift, and I had to say, "Well, no, I, didn't, I didn't say this. What I thought was, I don't need this, and I don't want this." Oh, I got I got offered a gift. He mm. bought me a. He knows that when sometimes when I shave, I I, I keep it with a bit of stubble. Yeah. Uh, so he bought me a 
a razor which has adjustable lengths that you shave at. Why? Electric razor. What? And I just I, and I I said thanks and didn't want to be rude, but this gen- I genuinely got that today. But I thought I don't, I don't need this. You said thanks and just chucked it in the bin. Chucked it in the bin because actually he could have saved himself all that money and for four quid he could have got me cornerstone razors. That's a great idea. What a present that is. That'd for be four quid as well. For, for your autumn international shaves. Exactly. You could have sorted me for now for the next few months, or now now through the autumn internationals, for four quid. But what I would have had at the end of that month is an engraved aluminium shaft that I oh. could have put more cornerstone razors on. Engineered, but not weighty, because aluminium is used in aircraft. There you go. Perfectly balanced, I yeah. think. Great, great, great for travelling. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic for travelling. So if, if you don't want to make the same mistake my dad did, um, then... Just take advantage of our offer with Cornerstone. Four quid for a free aluminium engraved shaft. Have your initials on it. It'll stand there beautifully on the shelf in your bathroom. Have six precision engineered, award-winning Cornerstone razors delivered to you in a presentation box. Because you listen to us, you get that for four quid. Cornerstone.co.uk slash egg chasers. Cornerstone.co.uk slash egg chasers. Or egg 10 at checkout. There you go. Buy some razors. Buy razors. Make us rich. <laughs> Pay our bills. Yeah, we're not getting rich flogging razors, G. Well, okay. We're definitely not. We're, we're, we're sustaining the electricity for the rugby. By the way, we're using a lot of electricity yeah, today. Certainly are. It's bloody hot it in here. It is hot in here. It's yeah. so hot. Who's, who is going to buy our champagne in Marseille when we go to, go to, go to Reportage? Very good point. There are yeah. some people that have are, already booked flights for that. We no, they haven't. We haven't talked about it. Oh, don't do it. Well, yeah, we are going. We are going. Oh, no, we're not doing a big live pod. We're not live doing pod. a live pod. We'll, we we'll, we'll, do a, we'll do a live piss up. Yeah, we will happily meet anyone for, I mean, for a, a few a li- beers. A, a live piss-up. We, we will tell you anecdotes and stories and we will talk rugby Ooh. with you. It'll be like a live podcast just for we you at the bar. One of uh, one of my favourite, favourite boozers in... Is it Nice we went to? Yeah. Bloody brilliant. That like Irish that. bar in Nice, yeah. Phenomenal. So, that uh, was great. So, that was when Scotland beat Australia. Yeah, and uh, Japon. And Japon. Uh, did they draw with Aper- France? Aperol spritzes with our Japon v France draw. Ooh. Oh, well, I tell you what, it's a fun town. Real fun town. Um, so I don't, I'm not saying live pod, right? But I'm happy to podcast in front of people, but yeah. it's not a live well, pod. Well, we can it's not a... going to be like a Madrid 2. Well, like, like when we were outside the AJ Bell Stadium re- recently. Yeah, people, yeah, exactly. People sort of went, oh, they'll come and sit on the bench with us, Abernatta, and then, and then go off well, to the back. What we did learn, right, is that on the Sunday... If we are lucky enough to go to World Player of the Year, we will be lucky enough to go to World, to World Player of the Year. <laughs> um, what you actually have more than anything there is loads of time. So if we go to a podcast, we could podcast there. Yeah. At the World Player of the Year Awards. Yeah. That's exciting. Oh, that, that, yeah, because I suppose we can probably just let Richie come and hang with us for a minute if we want, like he did last year. Yeah, I hope Bowden Barrett doesn't win Player of the Year again because he's already got a tie. He's already got an egg chaser's tie. Yeah. Be a bit yeah. awkward. And Rico Yuani's already got a tie, so... They'll yeah. be wearing them, presumably. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. I'd say so. Even though it's black tie. Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so we need to make sure we've got a gift for them if they win the same awards again. But yeah, we can probably do the... So point being, there are the, the final p- places at the Rugby World Cup will be awarded to nations at the series of games over several weekends. The Repechage Tournament, which is happening in Marseille, which the, the culmination of which is the World Player of the Year Awards in Monaco. We are going to be there for the finals weekend, we think, in Marseille. So yes. anyone that's also fancies a, a rugby weekend away, a bit of a knees up, come and hang with us at a bar. We're not going to do a live podcast because of the logistics involved, but we will be 
having lots of beers and watching lots of rugby. The repertoire should be fun. It's, yeah, it will yeah, be, be fun. Twenty third, twenty fourth of November. Yeah, that weekend. And flights yeah. from the UK to to, to Marseille are, are pretty cheap. Yeah, eighty quid singles because we'll be going into Marseille and out of uh, Nice. Christ, but. we'll play the uh, sorry rugby awards again. Second year. Imagine, imagine places that we'd get if we were formally trained. <laughs> if only you had formal training, baby. <laughs> My maybe. God, we'd, we'd be all over the place. Uh, right, excellent. Shall we do well, some the, predictions? The one thing there, there was no uh, the, the the media room at the World Player of the Year. Order. There were no. It was yeah. a lot quieter than I imagined it would be, or and should be. What 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 are these people doing? Get yourself down there. Well, the, 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 well, there were two guys there, and they were both very very nice. Oh, lovely, were, very affable, lovely chaps, and they were good company. Yeah, they were great. But that's it. There's, there's only two of them there. Cracking event. Fixtures next week. Oh, oh no, we've got, we've got to Ooh. very briefly mention one thing. Ooh. Panico. Oh, Panico. Panico what? on the streets of Rome. What? what are you doing, Panico? Huh? The prop Panico, the Italian prop Panico. Who, oh, right. Sorry. I thought who you did meant... he play for? It was um, uh, Zebre. I thought you meant the very fine Japanese breadcrumb. Panico. <laughs> right. <laughs> so cultured. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> Guilty. Uh, he's, he's, he's gone and done a Carmichael hunt. Right. It would seem. So he, ha- police have seized. Here's the facts: police have seized 1.5 kilograms of marijuana, 330 grams of hashish, and 10,000 euros in cash stashed in his back garden in Rome. Huh. Hmm. All right. So you give us the facts. Give us the speculation. Come on. Uh, he, he could well be facing a jail sentence because that might be interpreted as uh, way more. And the suspicious amount of cash, way more than right. just so, your, your, <laughs> own, your own personal I've got, use. I've got a, a few issues here, right? Okay. Um, first of all, I don't really know what these drugs do or the illegality around them. So, well, so, just, I, so I don't know what hashish is. Yeah, what is but... what what is hashish? First of all, um, I don't I I don't know the ins and outs. So I'm imagining it's just a because it doesn't sound like one of the worst. But it sounds like something like. No, like, isn't that like what Middle Eastern men smoke? I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, am I let's thinking not, of? Let's not focus on the potency or the. Well, uh, so I think that that's the effects. block. I think that's like the block. Whereas marijuana is like the the oh, grass, so like brown versus green. I think so. I thought hashish was like the pipes that people smoke. I'm sure that my I'm sure my father yeah, yeah, probably has one. is. I think it's like the it's like the resin or. Oh, uh, so yeah, it's it's a cannabis resin. Is hashish okay. right? Okay, I don't know. So. <sighs> Marijuana resin. I mean, it, it, it's. I've never seen anyone stoned and disorderly. Yeah, look, so, it, it certainly doesn't sound like the worst crime on earth. Now, here is here's the second bit, right? Most drug dealers, most down and out drug dealers, right? If you get ten thousand euros in cash and it's by your stash of drugs, you can probably put two and two together, can't you? you go, oh yeah, yeah. Well, he's a down and out drug dealer. Uh, you know, that's that's obviously where the cash has come from. This guy, this prop, is a man of means. He probably could get his hands on two, on ten thousand pounds worth of cash. So, so why did he stash it with his drugs? Because he could <laughs> legitimately just had it. Uh, it's a confusing situation. <laughs> God knows. God knows. Where should I I'm put doing. my cash with my drugs? Because that way, it'll be safe. Unless the authorities come round. What is legal? What isn't? <laughs> well, there yeah. You go. Um, obviously, Zebra aren't paying enough. Yeah. That, that's what this uh, leads me to. Why don't you sponsor himself? And then you could basically launder it. 
So he creates a fake company to sponsor himself. Yeah, basically. Create like a. Was well, better call Saul based on you as a financial advisor, JD. Yeah, I mean, I've not thought this through. I mean, look, this is like radio maths. You know, I'm just doing, uh, I'm just doing, it, doing it on the fly. But I'm sure we could wash it through so he could uh, sponsor himself and then pay tax on the way out. Perfect. Anyway, panico. <laughs> well, let's briefly touch on Leicester sale then. Because to say, have we, have we not touched on this? Well, have, have we? I feel like we. I feel like we've covered well, we all have, of the pertinent points. Yeah, you're probably right. Well, we haven't spoke about Dorian West, and I do think that if Dorian West was in any other club, we would have spoken about it with a great deal of outrage. <laughs> um, surprise is the biggest thing for me. Yeah, Tim, uh, oh, did did not see it coming. No, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, not in the slightest. I mean, this has obviously started a load of speculation, and I'm, I also want to say, right, because we have some people that clearly listen to the entire podcast, because right at the end of last week's podcast, JB made a spurious rumour about Vili LaRue uh, leaving. Oh, yeah. Did anything happen? Is, no. Is he gone? No, 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 he hasn't. But, but, people, but I was, it was drawn to my attention that Wasps fans online were speculating that, oh, egg chasers have said this. And then the question was asked, was it JB or was it Tim Cocker that said, uh, uh, that said it? And then, they, they, but then quotes, quotes were attributed to me that made it sound like I was backing up what you were saying. So, oh, and no. I was, so I just want to make it absolutely clear. <laughs> I know nothing of that and I don't think it's yeah. happening. And JB was making a completely spurious claim. Same as on this, I'm, I'm not suggesting that my position means I know anything. I'm pointing out that people are linking the fact that Dorian West is at sale to the fact that Jim Malinder may soon be following him to sale because the two of those go together. I'm not going to lie, right? If anyone else signed Dorian West, I don't think I'd be very charitable to that decision. That said, Steve Diamond knows a lot more about rugby than I ever will. <laughs> so, and you, know, and you could have said the same about Forshaw, you could have said the same about Deacon, both of whom had no rugby union experience, and I think have been majorly successful. So it depends how he's going to deploy him. And I think whereas Jim Mullender was phenomenally um, loyal to Dorian West, and Dorian West had the, you know, the first and last say on all things forward, forwards, where we all know who has the first and last say in sale, and it's not going to be Dorian West. So it depends how they're going to use him, how they're going to deploy him. I wasn't delighted by it, but uh, you know it might work. And I think Steve Diamond will have a good plan for this. Do you think you can ever be uh, fair and objective about anything sale? I think I am fair and, f- fair and objective. I think I thought it was pretty fair and objective. So, no? so you uh, you started that by saying if it was any other club, I would question it. <laughs> yeah, but because it's sale, it's okay. Yeah, because I don't think any other club... Uh, would have employed him the way that he's going to be employed, and no other club would have a guy like Steve Diamond overseeing him. So, I, I, you know, the thing I find weird about it is they basically cover the same areas. Yeah, that, that's one of the things that surprised me. And they've also got another coach there called Dan Richmond, who I think is a really, really good coach. And, you know, you, you watch it today, and you see Dorian West telling Steve Diamond about the scrum. I, I, I'm pretty sure Steve Diamond knows about the scrum, or or about... Or about the line out, so I guess he's just going to go there to implement some coaching, and you know, I, I think he'll probably be an asset to the club. Is what I'd say. There you go. There was another bit of uh, coaching news this week with Roundtree. Yes, gone to uh, Georgia. Yeah, which will be interesting to see. Much kind of now is he going there to learn scrummaging from the Georgians? Yeah, well, that's, that's that's why actually. he's going to absorb it and bring it back. He certainly has in the past been highly rated as a forwards coach. Taken on Lions tours. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, do you know, when England were 
not particularly good. And uh, I think, was it Lancaster he was a scrimmaging coach? Yeah, yeah. Or was he, it? He was scrimmaging coach right up to the World Cup. Wasn't mm. he? Was he Lions scrimmaging coach? Um, 2013. Did they win that one? Yep. Yeah. One before that? It was only Australia, though. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure if you try to think of the setup. Before. I'm like, he's one of the few coaches that came out of it with like a glowing reputation. Farrell, um, the one. No, it was definitely in relation to um, definitely in relation to uh, Roundtree, and actually it might have been England because Farrell didn't come out of England with a glow, glow, glowing, glowing reputation. Yeah, Roundtree was in 2009 as well. Yeah, was that the one where they got pumped uh, against South Africa? No, that doesn't make sense either. It doesn't matter. Anyway, it doesn't matter. 2005 point, was when yeah. they got pumped against New Zealand. The point is, he's very, very competent coach. He'll add, he'll, he'll add, add, uh, add something. He'll, he'll probably learn something too. Agreed. There, there you go. Right, I think we've covered off just about yes. everything except next week's fixtures. Yes, let's do that then. Rugby well, championship. Well, sorry, what else? I, I, I again, when I, whenever I travel and work at games, I don't get a chance to watch all of the rugby. What happened in the Pro 14 generally? Obviously, I know about Ulster. I know about Benetton. Um, um, uh, let's just quickly run through the results. So Ospreys beat Zebre away. Leinster beat Connacht at Connacht, which we, we've already spoken about the stamp. Yeah. Scott, um, Scott's hammered Southern Kings. Munster uh, just scraped past a, a weak Ulster team. Glasgow comfortably beat Dragons. Edinburgh snuck past 30, 31-30, snuck past Benetton, and Cardiff edged the Cheetahs 24-21. Okay. I'm looking forward to some... Meaty matchups in these, albeit there were some good games. The Benetton Edinburgh one, for example. But I want, I want some derby matches soon. I want to see, I want to see some of the big guns going head to head. But I guess that's not going to happen this coming weekend because uh, if... Tim, yeah, you missed out twenty three twenty six. Oh yeah, good win at Goldington Road for uh, London Scottish. Yeah, two two on the bounce for them now. Great win. Yeah. Look, look like they're adjusting to the. Uh, Great coaching. Do you think they're finally caught up with the genius of the coaching mind? <laughs> I don't. Th- I I can't imagine that would be the reason. I'm sure it's just uh, one of those things that happens when you bring in a lot of new players at the start of a season. But um, yeah, good win. That will be on TV next week. London Irish v London Scottish. Oh, is it? Nice. London Irish, by the way, who only just last mi- last you, few minutes Coventry. got the winning try against Coventry. Well, do, yeah. you know, do you know who's managing Coventry now? Uh, Was it Hamilton, the former Leicester? Uh, Scott Himmelton? No, he's oh. not. Uh, he he was there at one point. Might have something to do with it, but no is the answer. Sam Tuatupi was playing for them. Correct. Is he player coach? He, well, he's one of the coaches. I was speaking to him at the sale summer barbecue thing, and he was around. And it sounded very much like he was in charge, and he was you know hunting for new for new lads. And they they've got a very close relationship with um, Leicester Tigers too. They've got cash. I think Leicester Tigers would love to lend them some players to become, oh, yeah, the, just... to become the biggest club in Coventry. Absolutely. So yeah, they've 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 got some cash and they're doing well. So um, so when is London Irish London Scottish Sunday game? Sunday next week? Oh, excellent! What time? Uh, I don't know. Th- three o'clock kickoff on Sky, I think. Superb! I will definitely be watching that. Um. Anyway, or w- whenever it is, I'm not sure, but um. Yeah. Oh, and also, can I just mention one more thing? One more thing. Uh, Leon beat Cast. Not no. Sorry, Leon beat Grenoble. Uh, 36-6 off the bench for 60 minutes was the silverback himself friend of the pod Carl Ferns so great Fernsy great 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 to see him back I wonder if the only sad thing about his return is great he's coming back in time for Europe and the World Cup and the World Cup (laughs) the bad thing is there are three artificial pitches on the away games and will they want to risk his knee at Saracens, what are the chances out of a whole pool you get Cardiff, Glasgow, 
and Saracens. Saracens that pool, by the way, pitch. is yeah, all, it's all brutal, isn't it? Anyway, we got we get to we get to talk about that next week. Next week, yeah. Oh, by the way, next week uh, we JB's in Portugal. I am. So we're going to be doing our podcast on Monday. Monday so, night. So, but what we will do is we will have a special podcast for you that is there on Monday morning, but it won't be the normal podcast. That will come a day later. But we're not going to leave you without anything for your Monday morning commute. We'll make sure you have something, and then we'll sort you out with an extra You'll podcast. So, yeah, fine. That's how we roll. Because we're great guys. Great yeah. guys. Right. Come on, then. Pro 14 first. Pro 14. Ulster Connacht. Friday night. I am a bit worried there about you Ulster. Go. That, this is so it. Much, this is it. So many injuries. But yeah, there is a... Oh yeah, it's all. Um, yeah, that's what I mean. This is this it's, is the, it's all local apart from the uh, Scotland. But will, whoa, it, will, whoa, it be, will it be all more Dar- than just a derby? More than just a derby. <laughs> yeah. But will it be derbies except for some sides, but not with full strength teams because it's the week before Europe. Well, yeah, you're right. There's you, no way Leinster are putting out a full full side full you strength are, squad. Of course, correct. Oh, wow. uh, and also couldn't possibly put out a full strength squad because everyone's injured. So I, I'm a bit worried that. Ulster are going to lose to Connacht at home. Mm. Uh, well, let's just... Shall we just pick the games as if they had full-strength teams? Yeah. Okay, Ulster to win. Yeah. Glasgow to win. Yeah, Edinburgh to win. Although uh, that would be, be a good game, Edinburgh Cheetahs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, actually, Cheetahs very, came very close to winning at Cardiff. Mm, yeah. Can't believe that. Yeah. Uh, Scarlet should be Ospreys. Correct. Dragons will lose to Cardiff. Correct. Uh, oh, they, I'm, I'm, these are good. <coughs> I'm looking forward to these games. But we don't know what the game is, do we? we no, just, but I'm well, yeah. we, we know the shirts they're wearing, no, but we don't know what the game well, is. Yeah, but even even without full-strength teams, Scarlets v Ospreys and Dragons v Blues, there's niggle there. There's history. Yeah, I mean, there's, to a degree there is, but Scarlets are so I mean, much better than Ospreys. Leinster A versus Munster A will be an entertaining game. Yeah, because they're fighting for... Um, what are they fighting for? They're fighting for uh, Wolfhound jerseys. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. But uh, all uh, all being equal, Leinster. and all being first team, then Leinster at home. Yes. And then I'm Tre- so looking forward to seeing. Them and Treviso should steamroll of the Kings. I, I imagine a hundred points against the Kings. Minimum, I'd say. Yeah. Minimum. Um, there is some rugby championship again. The final round. New Zealand have already won it. Okay. Uh, so Argentina play Australia at twenty to midnight UK time. Perfect. And South Africa host New Zealand. I had so I had a few beers last night after after the after Talk H's win uh, against Littleborough, and came in a li- little bit drunk. had had a, had a Chinese settled down in bed, about to about to about to drop off, and then an alarm went on my phone saying all blacks about to kick <laughs> off. Like this is brilliant. Do you know what? That's the great thing. What people will learn, if nothing else, about the the suburb of Chalton in Manchester from these podcasts is. The the variety of cuisine you can oh. eat whilst whilst watching your late night rugby. Specifically, oh. chicken burger. Yeah, Chinese. Yeah. Oh you, yeah. You did I actually a, tell you? Yeah. You love a Canada Grill. I do. I, I used to love a Canada Grill pizza. There's nothing better, is there, after ingesting five thousand calories in beer than to ingest another two thousand from a Canada Grill double pepperoni pizza. It's so it's so unhealthy for you drinking. It really is. Um, but you need it post game. You need to recover. Yeah, you need yeah, those electrolytes. Refuel. Refuel. Yeah, yeah, we really refueled. We refueled a lot last night. <laughs> uh, uh, so I'm looking forward to the South Africa game. Is all yeah. I'm saying. But I'm looking forward to both of them. They're good, both good games. I think 
I think Argentina will win, and I think New Zealand will correct the wrongs of last week. Yeah, probably right. Or two weeks ago. Where does this leave Australia? Just like rudderless, in shark infested, well, rough if, waters. If Australia lose to Argentina, they'll have only won one game. Yeah, and they'll finish dead last Jeez. of the table. And a, a, eleven months out from a World Cup, they've radically changed what they're doing. So and, I yeah, and worst the the worst thing for Australia is. So they have scored 79 points in five games, which is uh, 40 points less than Argentina. Wow. So, same five games. So you, you you boys know Rugby Reg? Yeah. From Green and Gold? Green, yeah. So we had a, had a Twitter exchange last night, and I just asked him a simple question. Like, um, I don't think it's the players, because the talent is there. must be down to the coaches. And he fundamentally agreed. It's something really interesting, which is like, basically... Uh, it's still a hangover from things that Ed, things that Eddie Jones did, which I think is a, a really in, really interesting point of view. But it is the coaching, and they're going to have to, I think, change a coach. I don't know who they can bring in. I'm, I'm not sure of any Australian qualified c- candidate that I can think of immediately. Other than look at look had. at World Cups gone by. Let's judge it in a year's time. They got to a World Cup final they, when yeah. we were saying the same things. They will raise the in game. The past, so. Uh. Uh, uh, hey, it's in the I'm DNA. New Zealand, Argentina wins. Yeah. Then Gallagher Premiership. Yes. Friday night. Now, Tim, are you working any of these? Uh, I am. Yes. So I am working this one Friday night. So this is this. So Southwest Derby, Bath hosting Exeter. Now yeah. Bath will have rested all their players. Have rested all their players, so they'll be as full strength as they can possibly be, considering their yeah. injuries. I feel that this, I feel this Derby somewhat passed Bath by, you know. Because Bath never considered Exeter to be their derby. Nope. Because obviously they are closer teams. Bristol, Gloucester. Yeah. They used to look down their nose at Exeter. So they never really took them that seriously. And now Exeter th- will, will thoroughly hammer them and have been doing so for a few years. They've just sort of missed the derby thing completely. Whereas Exeter see this as their derby. Yeah. So uh, yeah, Bath are going to get hammered. And Exeter and Bath both have massive games the week after. Bath host Toulouse and Exeter host Munster. So that's not going to... Ooh, and it'll be Munster that's well refreshed. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I I mean, I noticed Exeter uh, took off, for example, Sam Simmons at halftime. So they they, they've they've rested players in a different way to Bath, but they have been managing workloads. But yeah. Mm. So we all say an Exeter win. Yes, comfortable Exeter win. Hear me now, believe me later. Uh, I don't think it'd be that comfortable. I don't think it'd be that comfortable. I think Exeter will win. Exeter Exeter by five. Eight. Extra by bonus point. Hmm. They might score four tries, but if they do, I think Bath will be within touching distance. I think the way Bath play, right, they've got to be consistently scoring points. They've got to be very, 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 very close in a low-scoring game. And they've got to be basically on top for most of that because they, they can't chase down a score. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact... You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. 
United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Well, they they haven't been good in second halves. Mm, yeah. All season. Yeah, we we do forget they were actually in touching distance of Saracens at half time. Yeah, yeah. Six, oh. six points down at half time. They were they were ahead of Gloucester in going into the last ten. They were ahead of Bristol. In mm, were they into the second half? No, Bristol were ahead. In, in uh, Harlequins was the other game. No, what was the one that they was the other loss? What was the one they lost? They've only lost one. Oh no, they lost two now. Yeah, you're right. yeah. Well, they've been losing lots of tries late in games. Anyway, okay. Right, so I think oh, um, Northampton. Kobus Ryan that scored at the end. Yes, that's correct. There you go. Thank you. There we go. Ple- uh, pleasure. Um, <laughs> uh, the other games. So on Saturday we've got two two televised games. Uh, what's the early game? Is it North? It's Northampton. Northampton letter from Twickenham. Uh, Twickers. I'm working that one as well. Nice. That, sh- the that Rob, should be the a Rob good game. game. Yeah, it'd be a good game. The um, the Flatman uh, video. Again, Flaps video is very, very good. Very funny. The Channel 5 one. Um, and you can donate. I can't, I've not got the um, well, place I'll, to donate. In front I, will, of me, I, will, I will look that up whilst you go through is, the... Uh, it is a very thing. good cause, this game. Um, I'm going to go with Northampton. I'm going to go Northampton. They've got... It's the easiest team talk to ever give for Chris Boyd. And they're scoring points, something that Leicester are struggling to do. I think this game could ignite fiery. It's going to be... It means something, this match, doesn't it? It does. And then, as you say, there's there's added motivation and elements. So I think Northampton will edge it in a very entertaining game, I'm hoping. Yeah. Another, another basement battle as well is on at 3pm. Yeah. Two teams have only got one win. Sale hosting Newcastle. Two teams that'll be absolutely desperate to get a win. Do you know what? I just think the way that these two teams are playing, it's got to be Newcastle. I mean, Newcastle lost in a good way. I.e., they played good rugby, oh, but they, the number of basic mistakes that they unforced errors. I know, but you know they're making line breaks. Uh, have I mentioned Johnny Williams has been playing well? <laughs> You might have mentioned. You know, Gary Graham is everywhere. You know, what, they are what, actually some of their guys are playing well. What they need to do is bring, which they they struggled because of the the failure to get continuity. But when they bring Sonotti and Gonover into the game, those two are unplayable at times. The rolling ball of barbed wire. Oh, him stepping Marcus Watson and accelerating. I can't remember who. The, the feet were ridiculous. It was unbelievable for the Mark Wilson try, and it's it's the feet, but it's also. It's the, the speed and the power that yeah. he's got with it as well. Phenomenal. His, like, Sonotti Sonotti's forehead muscles are <laughs> massive. <laughs> so, yeah, give me Newcastle. I think Newcastle are going to, yeah, come um, good. Johan Hansi van Rensburg will Rohan probably start. Yanti. Rohan Yanti van Rensburg. <laughs> We'll probably start for sale. Maybe. Get some good go I mean, forward. Yeah. Uh, looking at him today, I'm thinking he might want to come on and last 30. Give sale some go forward. 
He's a big boy. He is he's a put large on, human. He's put on some Tim. I was looking back at some pictures of him where he's he's so muscular but so like defined. He does look and bigger than he did for, for the Lions. Yeah, he mix of good weight and bad weight. He, he looks enormous. Looks like he's about to play in top fourteen. Uh, tight head prop. No, no, he still looks like a centre. I think, I think uh, Sale. L- you... Let's not forget Sale should have beaten Wasps at home. Yeah, and the, if they'd have had a kicker, yeah, they, should they, have would actually. Be, they would have beaten Leicester. And if they'd have had a kicker, they'd have beaten Leicester. I'm going Sale. Give me Newcastle. Yeah, you're right. New- sale. Sale. Um, wasps hosting Gloucester. Wasps. Yeah, give me Wasps. They've just found ways to win. I'm, I'm bored of betting against them and losing. Wasps. And so Wasps have only lost one game. Sopawanga, who got three assists in that match, is looking better, and he will continue to get better and better and better. Looking forward to a Saturday evening game. Yeah, this will be good. Prepare us nicely for the Champions Cup Saturday evening games yeah. as well. The, I love having the one, three, one, three, five, and seven games of the Champions Cup. So good. Um, so yeah, Harlequins host Saracens. Now, you would imagine Saracens will take the opportunity to like freshen their squad a little bit. A hundred percent, they will. A hundred percent. I'm going to be they also, studying the depth charts for fancy rugby draft signings. Yeah, they also might be losing uh, Brad Barrett. Why? He went off with a bad cut to yeah, the it's plate. A really, the, it's a really nasty cut. Actually, apparently, it went down to the plate. The cut. Yeah. So I imagine he'll have next week off. So, well, like he's got a plate in there. He, he's he, got a plate he in there from a previous, from from previous. So does he look a little bit like Terminator when he came off today? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, a pretty much bit. the same. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, they were like Saracens will rest players. It it never fails to amaze me how brave these blokes are. If I had a plate in my rugby's face, going soft, haven't you heard? What what when? <laughs> Who said this? I hate the argument rugby's going soft because they put their bodies on the line so much. It's such a physically demanding game. The only thing that's going to... So- uh, forget it. Forget yeah. it. Forget yeah. it. So, matter. Quinns versus Saracens will actually be a good test because Quinns, uh, they will... They'll Quinns win. This is going to be a Quinns win. I'll tell you what, it's going to be a Quinns win because they shouldn't win this. They should be them destroyed, atomized. But they'll win it. They'll win it. And I, it will be purely so we don't know what Quinns are really like. And we do know what they're like. They're a bad team that win games, games that they shouldn't. They can win any game. Any single game they can win. Yeah, I, I think they're going to beat Saracens and make us all look stupid. There you go. I'll, I'll, I want to say Saracens based on form. Uh, I will reserve full judgment until the teams come out. Saracens with a caveat that the team may not be. Mm. Yeah. I can just see Mark Smith running all, all around Saracens. I hope so. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, uh, for my fantasy rugby draft team. I got 140 okay. points. Actually, I probably shouldn't be doing... No, that's fine. No, that's fine. I got 140 points. Betting would be a... Betting on rugby would be a different matter. Very that, different matter. Very different. I would not would not recommend that. Uh, go on. Uh, is that it? Is that no, Final Sunday. Game. This is another basement battle. This is a. This will be very important come the end of the season. So on a plastic pitch, Worcester hosts Bristol. Bristol. Bristol, 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 Bristol. I th- think you might be right. Yeah. They're not the same team away as they are home. Um, how have they done away so far? Uh, so they won two at home. Two at home. Plus lo- two bonus points. Lost lost two away and one at home. 
Um, I think Plastic Pitch are going to be ace. They're going to be ace. Yeah. Uh, Worcester. I'm going to say Worcester. I'm going to say Worcester. Benteo probably making his comeback. Has Benteo had a single good game in? No, no. He's had a single good game. Has he had back-to-back good games for Worcester? He's he's not played that much rugby in the last two years. He hasn't, and yet he signs up in 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 the England squad, and yet people who aren't. Well, that in the England squad are playing. Oh come on! He he got he toured with the Lions and looked great. He did look good for the Lions. So he, doesn't, that, that, he, he doesn't need to justify his selection like that. Mm, it's also a sign, sign of the way. And it, that was just a training one, squad as well. It's one way that England can play. So England have played with Farrell there as a second playmaker. I think Eddie does want to get away from that. <laughs> you know who I'd pick? Alex Good. No, Johnny Williams. I've, 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 I've told him multiple times. <laughs> All right, um, um, and that's I'm, it. I'm going to say Worcester. Just yeah, give me Worcester. Spice it up at the bottom a bit. So yeah, the bottom four teams are playing each other. Yeah. So you could, if Sale lose that, they could find themselves adrift. Yeah, yeah, it's quite serious now. But mind you, who'd have thought Newcastle? I mean, this table looks not dissimilar to what it might look look, look might have looked like four years ago. How many right? Yeah, how many are. weeks into the season before the? Ring fencing is next mentioned because it hasn't been mentioned yet, but it will be soon. It's always mentioned. Well, I mean, I'm, I, I've been on on record many a time saying I think ring fencing is exactly the way forward. I've never ever liked promotion relegation, and I've got a feeling I'm going to be calling for ring fencing again this year. So I, I don't mind ring, fin, ring fencing. My only concern is the sensational job that Exeter have done hmm. since coming up. It does stop that from ever happening again. I'm happy with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. Leave, leave it as it is. Imagine if we never had Big Dave and Big Don. What would have lives. happened? Who would be? I mean, would it just be Saracens? Would it be Sar- I guess it'd just be Saracens battering everyone. And who would who would be in instead of them? London Irish, I, I guess, or Leeds. Yeah, London Irish and Leeds are the two other academies. There we go. That's the rugby. That's that, that's your fill. Um, two hours worth of rugby there. What? Yeah. You're kidding me. No, two hours. It felt oh. like three. <laughs> <laughs> well, a, sh- a shout out this week goes to Louch JD uh, at Louch JD, big Exeter Chiefs fan, huge Exeter Chiefs fan, uh, who last week tweeted us after we so we finished recording the pod at two thirty in the morning, and he finished what he, he'd fish, finished listening to an hour and a half of us rambling by five thirty in the morning. What? Wow. So that is as close to listening live as you could possibly get at wow. that time. So fair play. Well done, Louch. Louch, go see a doctor about that insomnia. There's this, this pills you can take, mate. <laughs> the podcast clearly is too entertaining and didn't send you off to sleep. Sorry about that. <laughs> he must. I reckon he got up for a pee in the middle of the night, saw on his phone, oh, new, new episode alert. Yes. And, somebody... then he, and then he put his headphones in and listened to the whole thing. Somebody... Uh... Tweeted me the other day. I think it was a rugby dungeon thing that they tweeted me about, and they said something along the lines of, "I'm just, I'm just making this up now, but it's something along the lines of like, thank you for the pods. I listened to them when I came ashore. Like, oh, that, that always perks my interest. Uh, and it turns out this guy's like a, um, uh, he's like working on some merchant navy vessel, which I find incredibly exciting. So if you've got a really exciting job and you're listening to, oh, that's what he did. He downloaded all the pods before he we went to sea. Uh, come, right. come on! If if you've got an incredibly interesting job, I, I, and you listen to our podcast in a weird place, let us know. Do you know what we need? We need we need to connect the British Merchant Navy 
with the people that installed the Wi-Fi in the Worcester Warriors Academy house. <laughs> yeah. Surely there's something we can do. Or maybe the people that installed the um, Wi-Fi in the Worcester Warriors Academy house should go and install some Wi-Fi at, at the AJ Bell to stop nasty articles being written about them. <laughs> it's a long article to write about lack of Wi-Fi, isn't it? It's annoying, Jay. Oh, God. When you I, can't stream I, whatever you want to stream in oh, the Worcester Warriors house. Uh, right, serious point here. I use four. I use four G on my phone yeah. for uh, for podcasts. What we do with this podcast is far more data intensive than anything which someone tapping away on a computer does. Do we disagree or agree with that? Oh, so yeah, yeah. It's like cut and dry. And I always if if the number one thing that I needed to do my job was access to the internet, I would do what I do. I would get some good four. I'd get, get I'd get get some good good four G. Apparently, that's beyond the pale because they've got to upload pictures. There you go. Oh, those JPEGs! Oh man, <laughs> data data eaters. Sure, right. sure, it's not even the journalists doing that. It's no. the photographers. Who knows? No, they anyway. wanted to. They wanted to see replays. Oh, sorry, the replays. At their seats. Yeah, the at replays. their seats. Who has replays at their seats? No one. No one. Uh, well, well actually, the I coaches do. do. I do. Uh, yeah. It, have you, uh, no, serious point. I do. I get a monitor. Do, do you? Yes. Do you? Well, to be fair, I'm saying it like it's for me. It's not. I sit <laughs> next to Martin Bayfield and I look at him, I look over his shoulder, his huge shoulder. How do you look monitor. over his shoulder? What, 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 what equipment are you using for that? <laughs> just um, <laughs> just four cushions. <laughs> the Hong Kong Yellow Pages. <laughs> it's a cherry picker, industrial cherry picker for uh, <laughs> it, the same one they use to adjust the the um, pitch lights. Yes. The high B pitch lights. Exactly that. Mm. Uh, right. Let's go home. Let's go home. Let's, yes. wrap, let's wrap this up. One last point. So the, the question I asked before on uh, what was your initial reaction to the Joe Marler news, the first thing I thought when I heard it was, how much are the rugby pod paying him? Ah, yeah. Sneaky they can devils. Afford, they can afford 15, to say goodbye to 15 times 25 per year. To make sure you're available for the rugby pod. It's a lot of cash, isn't it? It's a lot of cash. It's handy. I mean, it's, it's a potential World Cup. It's physical brutality. But I think I could, I think I could suck up all of that as for that money. Just, just for purely, if I was purely motivated by cash alone, and so, not the possibility of playing in a World Cup, I could suck that up. Yeah, which, which does so that does to it, me say. It is a, a really genuine. It's, yeah. it's like, the, conver- it's like the conversation, right? You have when you're drunk, and you're all like, and you throw out an outlandish statement, like, "How much would it cost for you to do such and such?" You're, oh, I would never do that unless it was a million quid, right? What sort of things? No, no, don't worry. Yeah, yeah. No. yeah. <laughs> well, well, we all know, know the sort but, of things. You know, the kind of you know things yeah, yeah. that you might talk about when, when no, that would cost me a million quid. And then you go, a million quid, really? What if I had 10 grand on the table right now? Because that's a substantial discount. <laughs> and that's a lot of money. And you realise, you know, for 300, 300k, there is a lot of stuff I would do for a prolonged period of time. Well, yeah, 300k for the next five years. Uh, additional 300k per year for the next five years. Yeah. And I'll tell you the other thing as, as well. Have I always said this? I probably, I do, I've probably already said it because it's been two hours since I said it last. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I would do a lot of things for 300k. <laughs> <laughs> there we go that's the new uh, Twitter ask JB if he would do it for 300k and there he can just reply there you go hashtag what would JB do for 300k 
and post your questions at Rugby Podcast at no, just, just hashtag would JB. Yeah, for 300k. Hashtag would JB and okay. then ask him if he'd do it. Oh, yeah, pretty much would do. Perfect. Right, right. <laughs> uh, let the boys play. Let the boys play. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.